my placenta was so large, <laughs> Michelle. It was so oh gigantic. God. It took two buckets. No, that's not true. Really? That's horrible. That that's true? terrible. <laughs> that's horrible. Gina, what are you eating? Gina. That's busy Gina, what other, are you eating? other podcasts. Gina, what are you Gina, eating? Gina, what are you eating? <laughs> Guys, welcome to another episode of Gina, what are you eating? <laughs> Turns out it's my underwear again. Aw, um, Gina. Gina, what dog doesn't love some dirty drawers? Uh, hi, guys. I'm recording. Casey, are you recording? I'm recording. Are you, mm, Michelle, are you recording? An, oh, yay, we're all recording. Guys, welcome to, I'm just, Michelle, this is how we do it. We, we just, just fucking jump in. Maybe your podcast, maybe your podcast runs smoother. Maybe you have <laughs> written introductions. Um, maybe you are more professional than we are. That's not probably even a maybe. I would say that's a definite. But so um, nice. No, I do, I, I do no planning. You know that. None. Well, zero. Michelle. Collins is our guest host today. She is the host of the Michelle Collins show on Sirius XM on Stars Channel 109, live from 7 to 10 a.m. And you guys, why am, do, can you hear my microphone buzzing? No. Motherfucker. No. <laughs> wait, I hope I this all it. stays wait, wait, wait. I'm already having the best time. <laughs> I got it. Wait, nope, I didn't get it. I wish you guys could see, you know, I really got my cords under control. And then you're right, Casey, during all of this press for Girls 5 Evo, which launches this Thursday only on Peacock, which is NBC's streaming site. If you don't have it, figure out how to get it. Um, uh, like everything's gotten jumbled up. And so uh, I'm trying to get it back together, but it's time is short. The cords are long. I don't know what to tell you. Michelle Collins was also the host, host number 15. Of right. 22 on The View. <laughs> at, at least 22. Is it? Is it only 22? I thought it's it was more prob- by now. It's 475. <laughs> and, uh, and you have your own podcast, which probably runs smoother than this, um, called Midnight Snack. You guys should all subscribe and listen. And download. And I mean, download. We, we tell you all the time, download. You need to download or it doesn't count. Michelle looks real cute. I look a little bit like a hot mess. Casey just woke up. Well, yeah, because of like time zones. Yeah, just. Well, time zones. But Michelle also, Michelle and I know each other for years because I was a guest on a TV pilot that you were like the host of. Do you remember that? Um, the, the, the failed pilot. I do <laughs> yeah, remember. A failed yes, pilot. The fail, you mean the failed pilot? Yes. A failed talk show pilot that you did. talk show. With yes. Jerry O'Connell, right? Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> it was me. I'm laughing. Uh, if it was just me, it would have not even made it to pilot. It was me, Jerry O'Connell, Rebecca Romaine. Right, right. And Garcelle Beauvais pre-Beverly yes. Hills Housewives. That's oh, right. Wow. Yes. It's yeah. such a small world because Michelle and I have known each other for years because we worked together at Best Week Ever. So we're old friends. And Michelle is also good friends with our good friend, Nelson, Nelson. Zos, who was Nelsos. our co-executive producer on Busy Tonight. The only man I let in the room. The only man we allowed <laughs> to work on. And by the way, smart. Yeah, yeah smart. He's the best. And he's the best. to bring yeah. it back to Jerry O'Connell, um, when him. I wrote We should on, talk to Jerry O'Connell, by the we way. We totally should. We totally should. When I wrote on Bette Midler's tour, 
when her tour came through Madison Square Garden, I brought Michelle as my date (laughs) to go see um, Bette Midler. And we texted Jerry O'Connell a picture of ourselves because I guess we were drunk. (laughs) We didn't say it was us. We just sent him a picture. He's so nice. Yeah, we just, yeah. But that... That night, which we went backstage, if you remember, yes. and Busy, I'm sure you've met Bette Midler. I've never met Bette. I've never. But was it the last tour? It was the Divine Intervention tour. So yeah, I think it was her last tour. Yeah. Which, how many years ago I was see. that, guys? It was like five years ago, probably forty to fifty years ago. Yeah. yeah. I, are, yes. Five years ago. Well, <laughs> it was what the was last thing that ever happened in the in the universe. <laughs> it's really hard to know if you're joking or not. But um, I did go. I did go. I did take my mom to. Bet's tour, but I feel like it was much long. I feel like I didn't have kids yet. So that oh, would have been okay. yeah. a, a really, really long time ago at this point. And it was in Arizona at the, at like a big arena and we had nosebleed tickets cause it was like all we could swing. And weirdly, I just had this feeling when we got there, I was like, let's just go to the box office and see. And I went up to the box office and the guy was like, oh my gosh. We just got all these tickets from like released from Bet's team, and we had front row center seats for it, and it was like Shut the greatest experience of my life. Fuck. But I've never met Bet, but I love Bet. Oh my god, she's the best. I've never okay. felt intimidated in the way that I know we have to move on, but we went backstage because Casey knew her. <laughs> do we? And do the we? Idea- <laughs> do we what? Do we, we have to move, to move on? on? Do we have to move on? <laughs> we don't have to move. We could. Listen. We could literally talk about this for the next hour and a half, and I'd be fine. <laughs> Truly, that's why I'm already loving my time. Um, we went back there, and I remember I always have a thing as a tall woman about meeting tiny people, I, especially famous ones, that I'm going to frighten them. Like, I always want to, you know, like when you hand a deer ham or something where you want to do it gently so, like, you don't frighten them away. So, with her, I don't even think I met her. Did I? Yeah. Maybe, no, she came in. Did I shake her hand? She, yes, she came yeah. in because I remember feeling so honored because she was like, it was just like a room full of very famous people and us. And like, um, yes. and How dare you? <laughs> and she, like, she, oh, okay. she came in and she was like, um, Sarah Paulson, Michael Kors, Casey St. Ange. And I felt so honored that I was like in the shout outs. And then, um, yes. yes, she did talk to us like really briefly, but she and had Michael to- Kors. I forgot about that. <laughs> yes. Good memory, Casey. Cause he was truly like bordering on almost like racially offensive as far as his skin went. I was like, Michael, we need to talk. Like, I don't know if today he could get away with that spray tan. I was like, Mikey, what's happening? Anyway, um, it was fun. Yeah, how could I forget? Thank you for that wonderful experience. And uh, Busy, thank you for doing that pilot as well because you were, as always, a phenomenal guest. I have no idea how I got roped into it, but I do know that it was fun. Guilt. And, uh, And I was happy to do it. And I do think... It is the thing, Michelle. I am a person who like says yes to friends, says yes to people who are asking favors because I feel like you never know when you're going to be on the other side. And then lo and behold, I had a talk show and no one fucking showed up when I asked them. We were were on the other side every day. (laughs) Every day I was like, dude, seriously, come on. I went to your fucking fundraiser for the thing I don't even care about, please. Like- that's a good lesson for people, though, to never do favors. Like, if you don't want to do something, don't. Because you have to do it out of the goodness. Otherwise, you'll, you'll feel yes. like a chump almost. That you'll sucks. feel slighted when it's not yeah. returned. But I also, that was a thing that I needed to work on in therapy, Michelle. 
Okay, how to go. That you can't do things expecting something in return. You have to just do them. And it was a lesson that I learned vis-a-vis busy tonight, perhaps, but also like really translated to my family and my relationship with my family and like feeling like I would do things and not feel like appropriately lauded for the doing. And then I realized that that was fucked. And I needed to like, if I wanted to do things, I needed to just want to do them. And it changed kind of like my relationship from my side with my with my family. Do you know what I mean? That's so good, Biz. I think that's so good. You know what? I um I haven't been going to therapy lately, but I feel like I've been benefiting from your therapy because yesterday um the guys were coming to mow the lawn and Matthew didn't have a chance to pick up the dog poops in the yard, which Mm -hmm. usually he does. And I normally wouldn't have noticed. I don't even know how I noticed that the dog poops were still out there, but I did thankfully before the guy came to mow the lawn. And so I picked up the dog poops. So the guy wouldn't have to like walk through the dog poops. But then I thought about it and I thought about your therapy and I didn't like announce to Matt that I had picked up the dog poops to like get a thank you for it. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I thought like I was really thinking about it and I was like busy's therapist. I bet if I went to therapy would be like, you know, you don't have to like announce it. Like you can pick up the dog poops one time and not try to get like a prize for it. Correct. I learned something. I would definitely want credit. It's so funny. As you were talking about it, I was like, and what did he say? Like, yeah. I was waiting for you to like, <laughs> I really he must have been so I really thankful did to you. want credit. And like, to be honest, like almost yeah. as I was like drifting off to sleep last night, it almost like woke me up to like blurt it out. Like, by the way, I picked up the dog poops, but then I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. Wow. So they say that that's bad. I'm actually do do this for me for free because every time I've gone to therapy, I'm like sliding scale and they're like, you got it. And then I have to write a publisher's clearinghouse check to them at the end. I'm like, is this the scale? I don't get it. (laughs) Anyway, point is um, it's too rich for my blood. But uh, so that's one thing that you don't like you don't have to announce. It's not always about you, I guess, is what that lesson is. Well, it's not what it is. I guess it's it's not always about receiving something like sometimes the gift to the other person is you not needing to announce it and get adoration or even just acknowledgement for it. Like if you're doing something to help someone else out, like Matt does all kinds of stuff, including always picking up the poop. He also works and he's, you know, whatever. And so Casey's point is he didn't have time to do it. He didn't do it. He forgot to do it, whatever. And she went to do it, but she doesn't need to like be like, oh, by the way, I picked up the poop because then it's like you're making you're sort of like making him feel like, wait, am I supposed to feel bad that I forgot? Right. It's like not every then- week he doesn't say to me, by the way, I picked up the poops. It's just like a given. Right. His his mistake. <laughs> See, this is where I'm like, you should always announce to each other. Guys, hold on, hold on. We're getting so far off track about our own shit God, that we so sorry. It's all we me. need to get. We need to get and there's so much happening well, in first, the world. Do, do we want to say what we did our best at this week and get it out of the way? I guess so. Okay. What did you do your best at this week, Elizabeth? Me? Yeah. Um, I'm doing so much press for girls five ever. <laughs> um, I'm super excited about it. It comes out streaming on Thursday. That's tomorrow, guys. Tomorrow on Peacock. And just so you know, 
I have a hot tip, it comes out in the morning. They're just like, they're releasing them all tomorrow morning. Also, here's another idea. I don't know if you have to pay for, I think that, I don't know. I don't know how it works with Peacock because I don't know how anything works. But if, if they do give you like two for free or something, maybe watch those two and then subscribe so that that like algorithm, they think that you're subscribing for (laughs) Girls 5 Eva. Is that like, I feel like this is smart. I don't know if that's the way things work, but let's just see. Cause I would like to do another season of it. Um, cause it's the most fun ever. The reviews have been coming in and normally, you know, I'm not a super, uh, review bitch because I do feel like if you, you know, you, you have to read the good ones, you got to read the bad ones too. Yeah. And, um, and so far I've been very lucky with this, this show. Cause I don't feel like there's good. many, um, not good ones. I mean, actually I haven't read one yet, but if you see it, don't send it to me. Um, but so I've been doing good with that. And then also personally, we had like a kind of like a rough weekend, you know, it just has to do with like parents getting older and like, what's happening. And I think that I've been doing my best at, at being like supportive and seeing the picture clearly and like helping to make decisions without getting into too many things that aren't my thing to talk about. But that's, but that, you know what I'm saying? Like I also, yeah, some real fucking shit. And here's the other thing that I want to say, which, you know, you've heard me rant and rave about the maternal mortality rate in this country and women's health care and all of that. And we're going to talk to Senator Elizabeth Warren later. And we talk a lot about child care. And she mentions it only briefly, senior care. But holy shit, you guys. When I have now been like sort of doing some research into options for senior care, it is so confusing it is so expensive. It is almost prohibitively confusing, like so hard to navigate. And like for those of you listening who maybe aren't there yet with your parents or you don't know what I'm talking about, just know that this is a system that is truly fucked. And like, I, I just think, you know, you judge your society by how you treat you're the, the most vulnerable among yeah, your, you. Your children and your Your children, your, your elderly. elderly. We are suck. We fucking Mm. fail the test. It is abysmal. I am so like upset about it. And it's been that way for a really, really long time. It's Byzantine and confusing what you have to do with all of their, their assets and their, their belongings and what, you know, in order to qualify for certain things. And just just like the confusion of the money where like everything feels like a scam. And I'm just like, wait, so you take $200,000 up front as what? Uh, right. Just like a guarantee wow. in case of that's like a home continuing that's like a place like a There's housing like, place. I can't. I mean, honestly, Michelle, I like d- we don't have the I time. Got I got you. I got but you. Th- it is like so fucking confusing, and there are so many different layers, and everything just feels like a scam. Like nothing makes sense in the way that you know how to live life or make decisions. It's basically like it feels like whatever you got, that's what we're taking. You know That's what I mean? Right. That's right. Yes. And it's so fucking, it's bonkers. I Anyway, I'm upset about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. About a lot it's of a things. lot. That's a, but I do that's think, a big job. It's it's a lot, but I do think I am, um, I am offering a lot of support in to the people who need it. And I'm, and I'm 
the, you know, trying to maintain my like mm. calm center, composure, my composure. Okay, it. so I'm I'm doing good with that and juggling the uh, girls five Eva press, and we got to see we got to see Mark's parents for the first time in a year and a half. That's great. Wow. And I cried. Where are they located? They're in Maryland. Michelle, do you know I moved to New York? Are you in New York? Yeah. <laughs> Is that why I hear those birds chirping? Those <laughs> yeah. beautiful. I didn't know you're in New York. Oh my God. Welcome to NY. Thanks. I I, I had no idea. To... Where are you living? Um, I'm currently in the city. I am in the city. Okay. And we're going to stay in the city. Okay, same. And our kids. I like how vague you're being. I are, <laughs> I'm well, somewhere unlike... between 158th Street and Fulton Street. <laughs> no, you can just Casey, drop a pen. <laughs> that's a joke that's lost uh-huh. on me because I don't know geography here yet. But, uh, oh, Casey's, mm-hmm. Casey on our podcast once like just legit told the listeners where she lived exactly. And I was like, it oh, seems no, no, like no. maybe we don't do that, Casey. And then I listened to the podcast back. You know, we do edits on this podcast, guys. You know, spoiler alert. I mean, um, but uh, that out. Yeah. I listened to it back and I was like, Casey, why didn't you edit out where you lived? And she was like, I don't know. Who's going to come to get me? I don't know. <laughs> It'll be fine. Somebody will. That's the scary thing. You always think. No one cares about you like that. And there's everybody has a stalker. Everyone among us well, has someone who, if they have your address, they'll do something with that. When I know? was in Maryland uh, over the weekend, I was walking. I was wearing merch from our friend uh, Heather McMahon's podcast. Oh, yeah. The sweatpants. And I was walking to get coffee. And um, <laughs> this girl literally, like, like, pulled screeched over to the side because she saw the merch pants of Heather McMahon and was like rolling down her window screeched over and she's like oh my god the parm pants from Heather McMahon (laughs) and I was like oh my god this is so fucking nuts and um (laughs) and she was just like girl girl how did you where did you I those that's my that's my birthday present to myself are those part is that parm suit and I'm like Cool. Oh my God. This is really funny. This is great. Well, yeah, I love, I love it. And she's like, you love Heather. You're a fan. And I'm like, okay. And then I don't know why I was just sort of into the energy that she was giving me at 8am. And I was like, uh, actually I'm, I'm friends with her. She's my friend. And she's like, what? Oh my God. How are you friends with Heather McMahon? And I was like, I just, I've known her for a really long time, man. I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm friends with her. Keep in mind, I'm wearing a mask. She was not. Yeah. But but she was mm. she was yeah, far she was in she was a car distanced and in a car okay. and contained, but but screaming you know <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. and then she was like wait wait how do you wh- how did you how did you meet her here in Baltimore she hates Baltimore and I was like well I'm not from here I'm just visiting and she's like oh wait a minute are you Leckfit <laughs> Leckfit is the workout I do Michelle. That is the workout that oh I do God. in Los Angeles that I've like posted about for years. That's how you're known now in Baltimore. Yeah. But she just said, are you <laughs> leck fit? And I yeah. was like, yeah, I mean, among other things. Sure. <laughs> yeah. There's a girl in Finland named leck fit, by the way. <laughs> Somewhere in the Nordic countries, leck fit is having the best day of her life. She's so excited about this. Yeah. And I was just like, uh, yeah, I guess I'm Lekfit. And she's like, okay, 
oh my God, well, I won't blow up your spot. And oh like, my she's, God. And she's zipped off. Um, but then when I was walking back, I did an Instagram story and tagged Heather. Well, first I tried to FaceTime her blindly and she rightfully didn't pick up what a rude yeah, thing to do sure. to someone at eight in the morning. Um, <laughs> but then I did an Instagram story and tagged her. And then when I was walking back with my coffee 20 minutes later, there was a girl walking her dog holding my book. And she's like, hi, hi. Oh. I was watching wow. your Instagram stories. I grabbed my book and I ran oh, down here because I, like she recognized where I was. And um, she was very sweet and she was a nursing student at Johns Hopkins. Um, and I was happy to sign her book. But that was a little bit like. You blew up your own spot. I did. But Casey, that's also like why you don't. Yes. You don't say on your podcast where yes, you live. No, I mean, yes, but I, I'm I'm not you. I mean, I have like a... Li- but you have, can say neighborhood. Sorry. I have a tiny bit of experience with this, but not a lot. Here's my one experience. When I worked for David Letterman, he would sometimes put us on the show, you know, as ourselves and sometimes like doing characters. And um, <laughs> so very often I would walk him out to his car at the... At the end of the night and very often there would be sometimes a handful up to like 20 people waiting for him to like get autographs or whatever and sometimes they get like pretty aggressive with him but one night we were walking out to his car and somebody rushed up right past him to me and said, oh my God, you're my favorite character on the show to me. And Dave was like, what the fuck? And Dave was like, she's not a character. She's a person. (laughs) And and then, but I think he was also like irritated. (laughs) Like that guy didn't even notice me. Like he like just made a beeline for you. And I was like, this is hilarious. But that's my only ever brush with like, a person who was very intently focused on me. Casey, do you remember when we started working together at Best Week Ever, like not even maybe four months into working it, I had a stalker at work. (gasps) Do you remember? I had to call the police on a girl we worked with. I honestly don't even like to talk about it in case she's like still listening to everything I do and this (laughs) is what sends her over the edge. I'm sure she is. For sure. Um, But that was the way that I ingratiated myself, or so I thought at least, (laughs) with everybody we worked with because this girl was like stalking me... um, all throughout work. I won't say exactly why. I knew a famous person that she was obsessed with and she found that out. And he had performed, remember this? He had performed at my shows downtown and all these things. And she followed me home from work one day. She like literally followed me downtown. I was telling a friend of mine, this girl is really freaking me out at work. As I'm talking to him, we were at Mo Pitkins in the East Village. I look out of the window. This bitch is standing at the bus stop across the street, staring at me. Busy, Casey. No. I turned into T3. My footsteps were so hard. I left holes in the gravel on 2nd <laughs> Avenue. I like stormed across. First of all, as I was walking toward her, she held a bag up in front of her to try to like be invisible. I mean, the girl had some problems. Listen, I hope she's doing well. I really yeah, do. Yeah. But I said, I know about you. I know you stalk blank because his team had actually told me, yes, we've had issues with her. He, she followed him upstate, all this stuff. This bitch went to work the next morning and I had just started working. So no one really knew me. It was, you know, right. This was like in 2006, I think. She called HR on me. Oh my God. She called because I called the police on her and I said, I, there's a celebrity stalker here. And the woman on the 911 call said, 
are you a celebrity? And I went, excuse me? She went, are you a celebrity? Not I went, yet. Yes. I'm a very, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. In about, you know, 28 years. But I said, yes, I'm a celebrity. Send someone here. And the cops came. They were so nice. They were like, just tell her we wrote a report. We can't do anything about it. She nearly got hit by a bus. It was a whole thing. She filed a complaint against me at HR. And I had to sit in her meeting oh that next God. morning and repeat the entire story that they were going to find my skeleton in the Hudson. And the post would have a headline that said, funny bones with my head on it we had a whole thing and <laughs> and that was it and then she got fired by the way i'm so i'm almost done with this about a year later because she did the same shit to somebody else but meanwhile that whole time i was looked at like the person who instigated it oh but my. she worked there it was a big she worked company at the television network that we worked oh. at i would circle my office she would email me pictures of newborn baby pandas i know that sounds cute please google them and then no you no, no, no. don't cute. don't okay guys, don't no don't. please you google them you tell me if it's cute okay that's what i'll leave it at that oh my um, god thank you for letting me tell that story well no, oh my god like, anyway that people is are so scary. fucked like i ugh. yeah that's weird it's really scary because it's also I mean, it is just all of it is scary. It's scary yeah. that people become obsessed yeah. with other people in that way. And it's like this time recently has made me even more nervous because I feel like people have been emboldened to do things in a way by this last several years. And there used to be like, you know, you'd watch Gavin DeBecker on Oprah okay. and he's like devoted his entire life to like, you know, protecting people from people who are stalking them, whatever. But like, I just wonder if any of the research like that they had even applies anymore because I feel like people are just so rogue. Like people have just gone off the deep end because of the, you know, last president who was literally off Mm -hmm. the deep end. I don't know. And no yeah. boundaries. There's no boundaries. <laughs> no boundaries. There's like, listen, between Twitter and Instagram and everything, people, I talk about personal things all the time. And it's like, I have to set a boundary. Right, right. Like, I've said to people before something about like, oh, well, you know, like I got, you know, death threats or whatever. And then like, I've had people literally say, but, but like real death threats are online. Oh God. Wow. You know what I mean? And you're like, like well, they, they all yeah. feel real. Guys, I mean, it feels when someone tells you that they're coming to rape and murder you, it feels fucking real, whether it's like a DM on Instagram or like a letter mailed to your home. Yeah. Either way. Just FYI, the guys. cops have no idea. I, I'll say one last thing. I know I reported, this was a different story when I lived in Los Angeles, a uh, situation that really was horrible for me. And I won't get into oh. details because I'm still, frankly, not ready to talk about it. But I went to the West Hollywood Sheriff's Department to report on this person who was making my life a living fucking hell. And they were like, well, also getting rape threats and death threats and shit like that on my email. Oh. And they were like, well, you know, we all, listen, the guy said to me, I swear to God, he goes, you know, listen, I get emails to join J-Date and I'm not Jewish. That is literally what he said to me. I went, what? I said, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, well, you can just get emails like, you know, and I said, no, these are targeted emails that are being set up. You know what I'm saying? Not spam. Anyway. Oh my God. I mean, guys, you know how I feel. Go into it. Defund. Say it. Defund. Defund the police. (laughs) But there's Well, because they really did nothing for me. That's really Well, they really do. They really do nothing for a lot of people, uh, and then they cause a lot of harm. 
And there should be different departments, especially for women in crisis. There should be a whole different way of handling all of it. All of it shouldn't be police that you have to deal with. I've been questioned by police, like about my own validity as a human. I'm like, motherfucker, I do not have the time for this. Like I have two babies here, you know, anyway, anyway, what are you doing your best at Casey? Um, Okay, so I feel like we're we're doing this thing where we're like apologizing to people that we've wronged in the past, like Brittany and Paris Hilton. So I want to apologize to someone that we've wronged in the past, and that is Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, I made fun of Activia commercials in the past um, because... <laughs> I thought that it was silly that we needed to talk about digestive yogurt so much um, back when I could digest things and now I can't digest anything anymore. And um, now I see the need for digestive yogurt and uh, I can't. It's Cinco de Mayo today when this podcast comes out. I really want to eat a taco and I'm not going to not going to be able to eat a taco. I don't think. I can't. No. I What's can't going even on with your digestion? I can't even like digest yeah. the Tums. I can't. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, first of all, here's what I'm going to say. We got to get you on to some of these herbs. I'm going to make, <laughs> I'm going to like get this guy. The yeast within? How dare you? Oh my. <laughs> I'm obsessed with this guy, Michelle Williams, not Michelle Collins, but Michelle Williams, my BFF, put me in touch with him. He He's here in New York and I go and see him and he's like an herbalist and an acupuncturist. But Casey, we got to get your system back in alignment, but he's going to ask you to send him a picture of your tongue. Okay. Top and bottom. Okay. And then he's going to send you a bunch of shit and it tastes terrible and you just have to like- I want go- it too. Well, Michelle, you can go see him. He's delightful. I love him. He's, I want to go there. Yeah, I'll I send- love- Eastern medicine and everything yeah. like that. I busy, you know, I always, yeah. Busy always gets annoyed at me because I give like a celebrity blind item. Like, what on earth are you doing? Busy I'm opening get- my herbs now that I'm thinking about it. Because, you know, I had, do you remember last summer where I had such bad acid reflux? Yes. Reflux? Well, the reflux is a, no, acid reflux that I like, I felt so terrible all the time. Well, let me tell you something, Michelle, Mm. busy always gets annoyed with me because I will do like a celebrity blind item because I don't want to like blow up some innocent celebrity spot just because I know a funny story. But anyway, this one, I'm not going to do a blind item, but it's so LA that you're recommending like herbs and (laughs) one celebrity who I'm just going to fully tell the story is that back in the day, back before his life was so, so, so wild, I was friendly with a guy named Andy Dick. And oh, <laughs> I know this. I know that. And so he was trying to convince me that I needed to do a liver cleanse. <laughs> and he was like, because he was into all these very like natural remedies. And we were like doing a little project together for a show that I was working on. We had like a super fun day. And at the end of it, we were driving back to his house and he was telling me, yeah, you got to do this liver cleanse. Like he didn't eat all day because he was doing this liver cleanse. And he was like, yeah, I've been on it for like a bunch of days. And he was (laughs) describing to me how he had expelled a bunch of liver stones from his body. Mm -hmm. And 
And then I was like, really? Like a bunch of stones came out of your body? And he was like, yeah, yeah. And then as we're pulling up into his driveway, he was like, yeah, I'm not kidding. Do you want to see them? And I was like, I was like, um, like in the gravel out front, where did he keep them? And I was like, okay. (laughs) So honestly, honestly, correct answer. (laughs) Anyone, if anyone ever offers to show you something that came out of their body, like without question, be like, yeah, I want to fucking see it. We're very different. I, for me, I default to no. It's so funny. Just different people. I just don't want to see the placentas. I'm not into any of that. My placenta was so large, <laughs> Michelle. It was so oh gigantic. God. It took two buckets. No, that's not true. Really? That's horrible. Is that that's true? terrible. <laughs> that's horrible. Now I want to see it. You know what? You convinced me. <laughs> I do want to see two buckets of placenta, our new game show on GSN. You should check it out. Go on. Well, so anyway, I consented to see Andy Dick's liver stones. I don't know how they specifically how they got into like this like colander or sieve or whatever, but I guess he had them. Because it- because you obviously don't know people that have done liver cleanses because when you do a liver cleanse, like they make you like pee or like into a sieve so that you can see if anything comes what? out like calcified. He probably shat into oh. like I don't think they came out of his anyway well i think also when you're doing the liver cleanse and you're shitting at that point when the stuff comes out it's all just like liquid and then the you guys i'm into it i love this stuff but anyway but here's the thing so we like go through his house out onto like the little back area where he was storing his sieve with his um liver stones in it and there were like a flock of birds descended on it and he was and he was like, get away, get away. Those birds are eating my liver stones. And <laughs> Honestly, dust to dust. You just return to nature. You know what I mean? You was, gotta those birds to- are eating That's my liver so stones. Sounds like from a silent film from 1920s, like a card would come up. You know what I mean? Like a sepia toned. That's hilarious. He was Poor Andy. So oh, offended. And you guys, I, just, I know this is a podcast. You can't see my face right now. I'm just like <laughs> wrinkled nose, <laughs> not happy. He was super. I, I want to see your guy busy because I have to say that since we started recording, I'm watching you like genuinely like watching an artist at work taking so many vitamins and stuff. And I'm like, this is the secret to why you look young. Like I need to know every single ingestion, right? Is it every morning you do this? I do it most mornings now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, here's what lot. I'm going to say. Number one is... Let's be real. Jeans is why I look young. I agree. You know, and anytime anyone gets like whatever about celebrities and they're like, it's money and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, guys, look at my mom. Because my mom did not have the expendable income that I have to do all the shit. And she still looks fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. I really miss my mom. I really wish I could see her. It's Mother's Day this weekend, guys. If you don't have a good relationship with your mother or you have a shitty mother, I apologize. And I'm sending, I'm holding a space for you, as we like to say. And also I'm sending you love and, um, and all of that. But if your mom is like within the realm of Deese moms, Aunt Deese, decent. <laughs> Dees moms. Dees wow. moms. If your mom is just like, a, if your mom's a re- if your mom's not a regular mom, she's a cool mom. If your mom's whatever, if you have a great mom, don't forget your mom is all I'm saying. No. You know? Nice. But 
if you have a shitty mom or a mom that was mean to you or like things that were traumatic, then, um, or your mom is no longer with us and you loved her deeply and this is a really hard week. I, again, sending you love. Um, but I really, I don't think it's mutually exclusive to have a mother who fucked you up, but then you also love her. I'm just going to put that out there. There's space, I think for both. Michelle, I wrote a whole book (laughs) about it. I'm not speaking from experience. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) Not my mom, obviously. (laughs) Right, right. Like literally raised me perfectly. I'm saying other moms out there who also are from Israel and a little cruel sometimes. Uh, you know, you get it. Anyway, we can move on. Michelle, what are you doing your best at this week? Um, thank you for asking, Casey. So I am someone who I don't consider myself dirty. I consider myself messy. I'm one of those where with clothing, especially because I'm in a one bedroom apartment. Yes. Um I, my joke is like I basically live in a J Crew. Like every day there's things to fold, hang, laundry. I have piles of donation. You know, there's sure. just a whole system yeah. in this house yeah. because I have no... Otherwise I would have, you know, pretty much keep everything. So I had um, company this weekend. And because of the company, I did like a full-blown spring cleanse. Like, I love it. Um, only... Which I love. The only shitty thing is that, again, being in the city, everything becomes 50 times harder when you don't have a car. Yeah. So, like, now in my bedroom, I have, like, four Ikea bags that I need to take to, you know, donate and all kinds of stuff. Um, I just said donate. <laughs> donate. donate. <laughs> Whatever. However way you say it. I hold space for both of the words. <laughs> donate. Um, <laughs> I'm going to hold space for both. Yeah. But so now, so now it looks clean and it's so nice to come home to like a nice clean apartment. And then what happens is once I clean it, every hair I'm like vacuuming, yes. you know, for like three weeks, I'll be unbelievably clean. And then usually traveling is the thing that will like yeah. fuck it up. Like I'll, I'll have to pack a bag yeah. and then it's over. Yeah. Like then for the next two months. But have messy, you had but, to, have you had to anyway. travel? I love a spring cleaning moment. Have you had to travel yeah. since coves? I, I've traveled twice. Um, I went to London for a international travel during COVID for two months. Well, first of all, I did everything properly Uh and uh it was for a work opportunity. And then once I landed, lockdown started. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stick it out and see what happens. But truth be told, once I was there, A, I quarantined. And also I was like, I can't turn around. Just like come back. Wait, what was the work thing? Can we talk about it? Or not uh, really. Well, it didn't happen, so no. Oh, um, <laughs> no, but I think I'm going to go back this summer as well, just to see. I like want to live in London. I mean, that's really the. I weirdly dream just all of me. a sudden. I don't know. Maybe it's like I'm really feeling my intuition these days. But Michelle, I think you got to go to London. I think there's Biz, something for you there, and I love you for it, Michelle in London. It could be a hit Netflix show if there's some way to make it rhyme. Wait, honestly. Casey, let's write that. I just think we have to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. Are do you have a do you have a sig- significant? I was about, I was trying to I was trying to abbreviate significant other. I'm glad you asked. I don't at the moment. I actually was seeing someone when I was in London, which See, did not go anywhere. So I'm going back now. Was it Harry Styles? Honestly. To, yes. And then fucking <laughs> Olivia every time. <laughs> no, with her beautiful face and her nice personality shows us to roll in. No. Um. But anyway, I'm I'm going back. Number one, just because I really do love it there, and number two, just to see what else can happen for me. So I appreciate your intuition. I think that there's like a boyfriend there for. I think there's a person there for you. Although, didn't Michelle? Didn't you? You interviewed Harry Styles one time, and it was like I a, did adorable, right? Like he was very charmed he, by you. Let me you. tell you what happened. I, I interviewed One Direction. This was when I was on The View. Uh, my I've never looked worse, by the way. <laughs> Five or six years ago. And it was, that's a true story. And I remember they said to me, 
oh, do you want to interview One Direction? I was like, yeah, of course. They go, great. They're performing on for Good Morning America in Central Park. We'll have you go interview. And I remember Raven, I could feel her energy a little bit. And I thought, why doesn't Raven come with me? Because we were new to the show. Yeah. Anyway, Raven, I forget, is like one of the most famous people. You know, everybody knows Raven. Yeah. Shows up in a Daft Punk mask. Okay, she did not take the <laughs> visor off. This was, this day to me, it was like literally I stepped into an ayahuasca bucket <laughs> of vomit. Just like past trauma, like everything at once. And I had this joke that I was going to open with because I thought we were doing a backstage interview. Like I dressed, I wore hideous shoes. Like I figured it would be waist up, whatever. And uh, I was going to say, oh my God, you know, One Direction, big fan. I'm such a fan. And then go to Harry. Now, who are you? I thought that was so funny at the time. I was like, I'm LOL funny. We get there. You're going to kill it. Oh, You're going to kill it. Yeah. Name, make a name for myself. We get there. Raven again yeah. in the visor, but her hair is sticking out. And they're like, okay, One Direction. They're done singing. Get out there. And they send us on stage <gasps> in front of like 40,000 What? <laughs> what? This is like one what? of those examples where... What? Absolutely no, not. No, you guys, I... Nobody told me we were doing this on stage in front of children. I didn't know. <laughs> so I'm like hobbling out there. If you watch that interview, I'm telling you right now, I once did have to get rabies shots. That's another story. It is my most rabid, foaming at the mouth, hydrophobic. Like I'm out of my head. And right before we started, I know people who Harry knows. So I said, oh, I'm friends with blah, blah, just to show him I'm like normal. And he went, I'm going to be really mean to you in this interview. And I went, that is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm like so oh, game. I was God. like, wait, Harry, that is literally so funny. Be so mean to me, right? Not realizing. <laughs> you have to understand. Oh, no. I genuinely didn't know where I was. Like, I was like, what? And then Raven's oh, no. in the visor still. I mean, this is a real thing. I lived. And so I'm on stage and we start the interview and they were very, he ended up being kind of nice to me, but he was definitely trying to be a little bit kind of cold, cold, at first. but I was making them laugh. Niall or whatever his name is, Neil, Niall. whatever. So sweet. Niall. Niall. It's Niall. You guys, big fan. <laughs> so nice. He could not have been nicer. Um, and they were sweet boys. I mean, honestly, but I did touch his hair at one point, Harry, who was right next to me and he was game for it. You know, I was being... I mean, I think I was being funny watching it back. I obviously want to die. And all of his fans went fucking crazy. They were like, don't touch the art. How dare you touch him? It was like, because, you know, the one, the one deers were nuts, you know? I have a really, really interesting child that, listen, to be real, I'm obsessed with. Okay. Sweet um, as a mom. My kid, Aww. which is, is that a weird thing to be <laughs> obsessed with your children, Casey? You have older children kids. Is that okay to be obsessed with them? I mean, I like mine. Well, I mean, let's be real. They also, you know, there are yeah. moments. Let's, you know, okay. Uh, and it, there's been a moments. lot of, yeah, yeah, sure. Work, sure. Work. Yeah, yeah. There's been work, work, so much work guys. So much work again could go on a fucking tangent. <sighs> okay. But the point being my kid is very interesting and is about almost 13, but just found One Direction like six months ago. Do you think that's right, Casey? Yeah, because I think they started liking One Direction like after Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Chalamet and oh, Little Women. You guys, it's yeah. not even six months. So Michelle, all, my point is Birdie is late to the game. You know what I mean? The 1D yeah. game. But when 
bird becomes interested in something or obsessed with something, um, they're whatever that personality type is where they have to become an expert at that thing. What is that? Did you guys ever do that? The anagram? It's not an anagram. Enneagram? What's it called? What's it called? An- you Enneagram? Get? What? Enneagram. Yeah, Enneagram. Did you ever do that test? Never heard that. <gasps> what? I've Michelle, never heard you, that word in my life. Enneagram. You have to take your Enneagram test is and this find the IGFPJ shit. I no. don't know what that is. But you but you have but Enneagram is like this thing from the Maybe. 70s and you like and you take you answer a bunch of questions and then they're they're like you're a 7 and then you go and you look at what a 7 is and the Enneagram 7 is I've like never take must be an expert at all things like only feels comfortable <gasps> when they know all of the information about a certain thing anyway birdie is You know what's interesting when we started working together we both did it and then we looked at what our numbers meant together and it told us like what the potential right. what how we'd work well together and what the potential dangers Ooh, were mm-hmm. So like what to watch out yeah. for. And it's a real test. I would say that that was, that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say it's like as accurate as a BuzzFeed quiz. You know what I mean? That's hilarious. But, Bert, um, but <laughs> Okay, then I'm but in. Anyway, I'm in. Birdie yeah. is like so obsessed with 1D, knows everything about them, knows every conspiracy theory, like every, everything you want to know and don't want to know. And Michelle, I am going to guarantee you one thing right now. (sighs) Maybe not tonight because I'm doing Fallon tonight. And I think Sarah Bareilles and I are going to have dinner after. No big deal, you guys. Look, we all have plans tonight, busy. (laughs) Sarah Bareilles. (laughs) Some of us also have things to do tonight. Okay. Okay. Like an upset. But at some point, (laughs) maybe tomorrow, I'm going to ask Birdie if they've watched your interview with One Direction because this kid has seen, when I tell you every piece of content about 1D that's anywhere online, this kid has watched it. So I'm going to find it. I want to tell them what you said. I'm going to tell them all of this in backstory. Unprepared. Yeah. I think... I, I genuinely can't watch the entire thing. I think at one of my stand-up shows, I showed it with that preface, like telling the story and then watching it, knowing that I was legitimately shitting in my <laughs> pants the entire time. And it makes it funny. When, when you know the context of like how I was basically tricked into interviewing them, and then Raven does like a walk-off with one of them, again in her mask. It, it, I've never dropped acid before. It's the closest I'm sure that I've ever gotten to it because it's, it just didn't feel real. You I know? think you probably, you probably had a disassociative... <laughs> moment like you probably left Maybe. your body a little bit you i'm not kidding michelle's ghost floating i'm not being funny yes <laughs> <laughs> it's huge it's bigger than me i'm like are you fu- i'm bigger dead i got upset <laughs> okay wait guys well now we know what we're all doing okay. doing our best at let me i want to talk about this first of all yes. I-, I went back into my photos casey um and i found a screenshot from June 7th, 2020. And then there's even one from 2019 of Ben Affleck. Now, I just, cause I just want to, I'm only saying this to say that Ben Affleck as, as an idea has been fascinating to for us long, for years, a long time. years, <laughs> a long time. And here he is again. And why is it, why does it resonate with so many people? Why is Ben Affleck as an idea like resonant to so many of us. 
I know. Go first. Don't we all feel like we could be Ben Affleck? Mm. Well, skeletally, <laughs> yes. Um, or we could be, <laughs> for me, yes, same skull size. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? <laughs> she said she has the same skull size. <laughs> <laughs> like when we're dead, if they put our bones next to each other, like twins. I I may I, well I I've sat next to Ben. His head is bigger than oh. mine. Yeah, so that's just for comparison. I mean, he, to me, I find, I'll tell you why I like him. He has a sense of humor about himself. He is never trying not to be Ben. He doesn't care if he's photographed with iced coffee, going through the drive-through. He's kind of like a bit of a garbage can, which I am. And um, he, um, my uh, prescriptions here. I'm not going to get the buzzer though. But anyway, the point is, he. Uh, and he's funny. And I think because he dealt with like so many demons in his life, right? Mm-hmm. There's just something about him that is so relatable. And honestly, he's hot. I'm sorry. And he's kind of dumb. Like, I know he's an Oscar winner for quote unquote writing that movie, but that Phoenix back. We've all done a we've all done ah! a group project before, Michelle. We know how that yeah. goes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Remember when he wrote that movie? But that Phoenix tattoo. I'd be excited if any on. if any group project I ever did won an Oscar. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, <laughs> let's write something. The back, the back let's work on Phoenix something. tattoo. The, yep. My favorite thing about that hideous tattoo is just that Jennifer Garner quote from a magazine where she was like, "Are you the Phoenix? Am I the fire that you're rising from? Bless your heart. Like, am I the ashes? Well, bless your heart. Like, it was like." It was, it's like a real, it's a real fuck you <laughs> quote. I love that on Watch What Happens Live, we asked JLo what she thought of the Phoenix back tattoo. And she said it was ugly oh and God. that Ben goes overboard with the colorful tattoos and that he has like a penchant for tacky tattoos. And then he said it was fake after. And he said it was for a movie. Well, he, he tried, tried to, to play, play you guys. He's. <laughs> This is where this is where Michelle. I'm like, I mean, he has a bit of a sense of humor about himself, but like, nobody like you don't say that the back tattoo is fake if when you get embarrassed because people are like, what the fuck did you do to yourself? But I do wonder if he is a little cringing about the Raya girl posting his message. Yesterday, I had guys on my phone, and I think I still have it. I have the, I have his Raya <gasps> profile with music. You know, and everything. I, I you, did are not you on match Raya? with Ben on Raya. <gasps> I am on Raya. Wait, you didn't match with and him, or you did? I <gasps> matched with him. He, this <gasps> motherfucker did not match me. I know. And then I saw this Wait, girl, and I was like, Oh, you- I don't look like a haunted witch. <laughs> like, I mean, this girl that he matched with, literally, I was like, Oh, she's beautiful. But you know, with the nose and the lips, and I don't think that's a filter. I was like, Oh, he wants to like fuck Coraline or whatever that cartoon was. You know, I'm like, Okay, it's a different, it's like a different thing, and that's okay. <laughs> that is such a type of dude. But also, Michelle, are you not tempted? To send him a video on Raya right now that says, ben, ben, why didn't you match me? Why did you unmatch with me? She unmatched with him. And yes. he was like, whatever her he name is. He DM'd her on Instagram, though. He did not. You can't send videos on Raya. Wow, so wow, he wow. went to this girl's Insta. That's, wow. It is cringe. I'm glad to hear you say that because people think it's funny. Not me. And I'm like very pro-Ben. That's a project. Yeah, we just had a big we ju- we just had Oof, a big I didn't talk like it. about like the effort that it takes to kind of stalk someone and that is, you know. 
That's I, I, exactly. Guys, I don't know. I Does mean, it take effort that. at this point? Like stalking people online is kind of yeah. easy. Like going on deep like, dives. A little self-respect. <sighs> uh, the deep dive is, listen, I have an app on my phone called Truth Finder where I do background checks on oh. every man I go out with. That's just a true fact. And if they don't come up, I'm Ooh, like skeptical. Okay. That's real. It's not a real background check. Like I don't pay for it because I can do like property searches. I'm not doing shit like that unless it gets serious. But, <laughs> you know, just at first to see you know, that they're a real person because you just don't know if you're meeting someone like what's their deal. I felt like what was sad about this is like he can pretty much get whoever he wants. So like I, I, don't I know matched if that's a guy, Ryan, who was really true. young. Well, Wait, I, I matched a guy who was very young. He was like early 20s and very annoying. And then he found me on Instagram <laughs> to be like, why did you unmatch me? I'm like, do you have any self-respect? Because right. you're annoying. I didn't write back. But it's like at that point, just accept it and move on. I don't know. I just felt like it was a bit desperate on Ben's right behalf. right I mean I guess and that's my story that's really so I can brag about unmatching I a 22 yes I mean oh. here's the one thing where I'm kind of like uh, yeah I, she she did say she unmatched him because she thought he was fake she thought it wasn't Ben Affleck and so he, I guess he could say his argument for doing that is that the point was to demonstrate that he really was him and he had no other recourse but also like who cares? Just move on. They must have messaged too. Yeah. If he knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. That had to be it. Because otherwise, how would he know that right. that's why she unmatched? He, right. Right. And then he probably- That makes more de- sense. He probably DM'd her on Raya or whatever. Yeah. Raya, right? if you, Raya, and if then you she don't would know, happened. is like, it's like- um, Oh, guys. Guys. We've talked about Raya for oh. years. If you follow me, me and sort of celeb, yeah, yeah, DJs basically, yeah, and photographers, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. It's 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 D to F list, and then once in a while they'll pepper in one of their <laughs> investors. So like you'll see like Joe Jonas, who's married by the way, or like Owen Wilson, or all these like actual celebrities. But those profiles, it you know they are dressed like Buster Keaton. Yeah. They're so old, <laughs> they don't update it. They're not actually using it. I only would fuck dead guys, by the way. Okay. But so, but Ben Affleck, basically the like main character on the internet twice this week, because also I got very excited about the photos of him and J-Lo seen together at the Hotel Bel Air in the white SUV. And like, what is happening? And will we get Benefer 2.0? A reprise. A reprise. And people online had mixed feelings toward me when I said, dear Lord, please let it happen. And a lot of people were like, ew, we've suffered enough this year. And I was like, this is the joy we need in our lives, guys. What is wrong with you? Like, I don't know. To me, I like loved both of them so much in that relationship because just purely as a pop culture spectator, uh, I feel like they brought out the like absolute cheesiest versions of one another and like we're willing to just like take it there like yeah. just buy into the whole thing like it almost was as if they like were getting tattoos that said Benefer like they were like just he was in the video on the boat kissing her butt like I just I don't know oh like my I God, just I forgot about those pics <gasps> well and also and also yeah. like that he was like trying to look like a like a movie star from the 50s, but he is Ben Affleck. So he is sort of like giant and it's a little weird and like <laughs> off, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. There's just something like so spectacular to me about 
the two of them together and like having sat next to both of them separately at different award shows as I was the plus one of my best friend, Michelle Williams, I can honestly say not much, but I do think that it would be like an incredible repairing and I kind of really want it to happen. I also feel like she would keep him fucking in line. I feel like that guy needs a woman who is like, here's what I'm going to say. This is maybe whatever. I don't care. He needs a woman who's more famous than he is. That's what he needs to like keep him in fucking line. And she doesn't drink, which is good too, because it'll just, yeah. And and she's just like, enough of this bullshit. You want to like be with me. You got to get it together. Get it together. We're having so many needless reboots. I just think, yeah, I tweeted that I would happily readopt my 2002 eyebrows if they could, you know, make it. I will not. Well, maybe just like one time, just for one cycle, one eyebrow, one eyebrow cycle. I want to see with the brows, Casey. And I think that I'm with you, Busy. We deserve this after the year that we've had. It harkens us back to a fun, poppy time in gossip with actual Mm -hmm. A-list celebrities. You know, when we really had star power instead of these people now who I genuinely do not really give a fuck about. I mean, I like Timothy Chalamet. I don't care who he's dating. I just don't. I like him a lot. But there's just a star energy with those two that we've not seen in a really long time. I would say actually Olivia and Harry Styles are close to that kind of a level. That was an exciting pairing. Harry and Olivia. Yeah, I mean, Harry is like the the closest thing we've got to a movie star at this point. Beyond. You know what I mean? Perfection. And I've heard the nicest guy, despite, even when he tried to be mean to me, just to once again remind everyone <laughs> that I met him, uh, he was still nice. <laughs> and actually friends he wasn't of mine- that good at it. He couldn't even be mean. And I'll tell you a story you can tell your kids, which is that friends of mine were at a party, English friends, uh, that Harry was at. And he was like, can I get you guys some champagne? And they were like, okay. And he stood in line, got two champagnes for them, did not get himself anything and brought it to them. That's a nice guy. It's like a little, almost a little sad. It's so sweet. (laughs) He's like nothing to do. Yeah. I like that little story of Harry. So anyway. Birdie has a lot of thoughts and feelings about how fucked it was that he was like, overly sexualized as a child on a reality competition show. And Birdie is like incredibly pissed about it still. Like, like, like Birdie gets um, like ragey about how inappropriate it was that they sexualized a 16 year old boy. And if it had been a 16 year old girl, it wouldn't be the same. And I was like, well, see Britney Spears. Christina Aguilera (laughs) and like every other pop star like that has gone through that machine as well. And Birdie was like, it doesn't make it okay. And I'm like, okay, no. Okay. Fair point. Yes. They are really smart. Birdie is really smart. And also, um, I think Harry's doing a good job of just managing that conversation right now. I think that's what's really interesting about him is that whenever sexuality is brought up in an interview, that's where he's really interesting, I think, in that conversation. Like, I don't really have any skin in this game. My kids aren't big 1D fans. Mm. I obviously, you know who I only listen to? Prince. But that's where I find him to be really interesting in the way that he talks about sexuality, just about how it's personal and he's really honest without being completely 
open and he's private, but he's frank and it's it's interesting. I want to say that hearing you talk about that just for two seconds, um, that's why when people were coming after Zac Efron last week Mm, and his mm. face and, you know, Casey, we used to work at Best Week Ever, which my whole thing on the blog was like we would tear people apart. It was, I'm glad that blog does not exist anymore because I would be embarrassed probably by a lot of the things in today's light, you know, that we said then. Yeah. That being said, um, I could not get on board with making fun of Zach last week. I was like, first of all, talk about being sexualized at a young age. This kid was like meat. Like he was literally a piece. I'm not even a a high school musical girl. I've never seen it. But he has struggled with sobriety issues as far as we know and none of my business. But like he clearly has gone through stuff. Mm -hmm. So the fact that he's like maybe physically changed... How do you expect these people to be normal? And it I can't explain it. It really read me the wrong way that they found it okay to like dig deep on this guy who's literally always been really nice. Like he's yeah. never been Zach Efron's not ever done anything shitty, honestly. Yeah. And he really could have. Yeah. So that's my little rant about Zach. Thank you for listening. Okay. Yeah, I'm I am with you on that TED talk. Thank you. He's still uh like a beautiful person, <laughs> objectively. Like it's just he's being held to like a really weird standard uh in terms it's of weird. aging. Like it, it's well, just Well, I also you know. think like in the same way that we're like stop talking about women's appearances. Right. Like you don't actually have the right to comment on anyone's fucking appearance. Like that's right. people right. are more than what they look like. But also I really appreciated Will Smith's Instagram post. Did you guys mm. see it? Yes. Well, because, okay, so Will Smith is opening himself up to comment, and the comment is, I love it. Guys, if you didn't see it, (laughs) Will Smith, did you see it, Michelle? Of course. Oh, (laughs) I don't know. He posted posted a photo of himself on Instagram and with the caption, like, I am in the worst shape of my life. (laughs) Just... Just putting it out there, whatever. And, in like a swimsuit um, and like sandals. And like a dad. Like open like a, button down. Yeah, you know, like a dad <laughs> pot belly. Just looks like he's about ready to go grill some hot dogs. I mean. He looks good straight up. I'm like, people, I wish I looked that good now. Right? Like, I would love to have that body as a woman. Right. <laughs> like, that would be the dream figure for me. Yeah. I mean, listen. <laughs> he looks good. Listen, he's 52, 53 years old. I love him. Uh, he's he's another one who had to be in the best shape of his life always. Like, he's never had a moment where he's not been hot and fit. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, I don't know. I don't think he looks bad. I always love it. And also, to bring it back to Prince again, you know, that's this yes. is a guy who was always, like, super, super fit. But there are like a couple moments in his career, especially early on in his career when he must have been first earning like a little bit of money and could like afford some cheeseburgers where he put on like probably probably six pounds because it made a difference on his very small frame. And then later as he got older, where he got like a little thicker and I just love it when it happens because I find it to be very humanizing. I just... Love it. I just love it when people are like, oh, listen, the way that I look in movies takes a shit ton of work. It takes a shit ton of maintenance. It's not possible to maintain it all the time. And by the way, like this is what one of the biggest movie stars in the world looks like on like a Thursday on his lawn. Mm. I mean, listen, also though, I think it really speaks to 
the COVID-15. On an all-new Gina, don't eat that. Gina, what are you eating? 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 Gina, Gina. Gina has put on a COVID-15 and it's all been the calories from makeup brushes and carpets. The other day I was on the phone with Casey and I was like, Gina, what are you eating? And it was my literal favorite makeup brush. And I was like, I rescued it from her little jaws before she really got into it. What brand is it? I mean, honestly, I think it's like a weird generic. I don't even, I don't remember. Wait. Like a drugstore brand. I think it was, honestly, do you kind of feel like it came from Costco? There you go. Really? Yeah, I think it did. I know they sell the sets of like 700. Yeah, I think (laughs) I, I think it was, I think it was a Costco. (laughs) It came in some sort of set. It came in some sort of set that like I probably got for Christmas, maybe from my parents' Probably like 10 years ago. There's 350 for Gina to eat. She just can't eat that one. That's your favorite. She cannot. I don't have that oh, many makeup brushes, Casey. I'm going to be honest. Um, Ooh. Well, no, I, I just think, yeah. And also like, I don't, I don't know. I just get, I do like to see the, the real, the real, real, the real, real. <laughs> oh God. Oh, is this That's a website. For the website. <laughs> No, but I am going to do some spring cleaning and maybe I will sell some things on the real real. Yeah, do it. Um, you do like the real real Will Smith. I do like it when people like share in that way. Like social media has become so strange. Yeah. And especially with huge celebrities, like the amount of like manufactured content in like things that I'm seeing huge celebrities posting on Instagram that's like just for their Instagram. I'm like, it's dystopian. Wait, like, no, it is dystopian. I'm like, wait, why are you doing this? Like, I fucking hustle on Instagram because the only way I like make supplemental income is by like doing paid posts for brands. So that's why I'm like hustling my fucking ass off. And I have no like social media wow. coordinator, like person that's like coming over to my house two Saturdays a month and like filming me doing like fucking boomerangs or whatever, like watching me cook chicken parm. Like to me, if you're like a huge, you know, like a huge movie star, like why, why, like why spend the money and the time and the energy to do this, all the manufactured content, unless you're like launching your own lifestyle brand. Am I being, am I being bitchy? No, I, I know what you're saying. Well, it's like when, when we were doing busy tonight, like the, like um online team would be like, okay, we're going to come by and do a bunch of YouTube videos with Busy. And like, we're going to ask her like what her favorite colors are. Like, and then we'd be like, how is that going to make people want to watch the show? And they'd be like, I don't, no, no, no. People yeah. are just going to watch it on YouTube. And we'd be like, it's not compelling content and it doesn't have anything to do with the show. And it's not going to go viral. And like, it's not an insight into who she is as a host and like not to be like a naysayer or whatever. So yeah, I do see like a lot of celebrities that are like, watch me like wrap a present or whatever. And you're just like, why? I know. That's why I all respect to my best friend, Michelle Williams. She's, she's like off. She's, she's like literally on. like, no, it's never happening. Sorry. And if you follow someone that you I, really think is her <laughs> online, guys, it's not. It's, she's not online. <laughs> she's, she's not, not, on not there. online. Can I tell you something funny, by the way? Um, on my serious show, still possibly to this day, but for the first two years, they showed a picture of Destiny's Child 
Pitts, Michelle Williams oh, on boy. the radio. Like they, for my picture, they had everybody thought Michelle Williams from Destiny's Child had a morning show on Sirius, and they would DM me on Instagram. So I, she's going to be on our show, I think, in two weeks, which <gasps> I'm obviously so excited. Um, the other Michelle Williams. So I'm going to try to make her my best friend, so that next time I come on this oh podcast, God. I'll be like, "Well, my <laughs> best friend Michelle Williams said." <laughs> Honestly, nothing. I would like want to like have a. Comp- Oh, same here, by the way, because I do love her. Another one who got a bad break in life, like was in the most successful, and it ties into your show, Actually Busy, but one of the most successful girl groups ever. And then I feel like poor Michelle for real, because like Kelly had a thing and obviously Beyonce and... What and she was a talent, you know. She's Anyways. very talented. Yeah, Love yeah. Her. I don't know what the them. story is. I mean, I do think that like these really, yeah. these machines, like the pop pop star machines and the and the Simon Cowles of the world and the Lou Pearlmans, Pearlman, and Ugh. the Lou Pearlmans Wait. of the world. It's just like always like men with like giant dollar signs in their eyes who are like vampires, and they and they take. Mm the like youth and beauty and talent of these young people. It's a bummer. And we make a lot of fun of it on Girls 5 Ever. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we don't. We don't actually. That's like what, Tune like, in. No. it's truly what I loved about the show is that it is about these like women who, when they were teens, you know, were manufactured, were put together in a group and thought that they had agency. And then- realize as adults like oh wait we don't even own the songs we don't we can't sing them without paying someone like and also our songs are gross like (laughs) what are what were we saying like what are these messages and then trying to like reclaim and take control of their own you know creative future so it's a fun show guys tomorrow tomorrow i know it's exciting are you excited casey i am excited to as watch my friend it. i'm gonna i'm excited to watch it i am excited for you i think you guys are gonna like it um okay guys one thing we have to talk about bill what? and melinda <gasps> i forgot oh, what a great speaking of raya is he gonna pop up on raya I'm so happy that I'm the only single one of the three of us that I actually have a shot. No offense, girls, but now is my time. Patience is going to pay off for little old Mish. <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. And by the way, yeah. Would you hit See, it? I feel like he's probably cheap. Um, For the right Dell laptop, yes. <laughs> for the right Dell laptop, I would. Yes. You know what the problem is? I bet you he's very cheap. You think? I can't explain it, even though he's generous. Yeah. I bet you is. He, yeah. You know, he has that waspy look of a guy who wears the same LL Bean khakis yeah. every day. You know, he's one of those, I feel. Right. Where it's not, there's no extravagance in the Gates household, even though they live in a beautiful mansion. But there is that thing about su- super, super wealthy people where they're like, oh, yeah, we love this, you know, island on the East Coast we summer every year at. And you're like, the houses are crumbling to the ground and there yes. are ticks everywhere. Why is this the vacation spot? Of the richest people you in the right. world. I have like, to I don't tell you understand. something. Yes. The times that I've been to Cape Cod where in my mind I was picturing like bad boys opening credits, like me on a boat, like, you know, just crazy exciting. <laughs> and I've slept in a spider's nest. Like I'll get there. I'm like, this is my bed. It's like in the web. Just like, just not chic. Yeah. Years and years and years and years ago, a fancy friend took me to Martha's Vineyard When I tell you it was the worst four days of my life, it is not an exaggeration. It was not restful nor relaxing. 
Uh, there were so many bugs. I was sweating the entire <gasps> time. And there's no air conditioning, but the ocean is fucking freezing and rough. It wants to kill you. So you can't even get in rough. it. I was like, what is this bullshit? Who are these rich ass <laughs> people that think that this is like a vacation? Anyway, my mother lives in Cape Cod. There are very normal people. There's also like an opioid epidemic there in Cape Cod. So there's a Is range. There? There's a range. It's a beautiful place. Here's it's what nice. you're saying, beautiful. Michelle. I'm just saying it was like cabins. Yeah. 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 Here's well, what you're my, saying yeah. that Bill Gates gives you East Coast, East Coast wealthy, crumbling vibes. mansion vibes. I very much get old canvas totes in his trunk. Yeah, like no. I just feel like he. There's not a lot of elegance happening. You know, you know what I mean. Like dirty, yeah. like those yeah. off white ones. Anything fancy happening with the gates might be because of like Melinda. Anything fancy and generous might be because of her. Have all the American Maybe. billionaires now gotten divorced? I was thinking that too. I was yeah. wondering: is or, it possible or, uh, to stay married to a billionaire? Lorraine Jobs was obviously widowed. So Lorraine Jobs and now Melinda Gates and we know Jeff Bezos. Mackenzie. Mackenzie Bezos. Mackenzie Scott. They got, right? Mackenzie Bezos, Scott. Whatever. They divorced. Yeah. But Jeff doesn't have those cheapy vibes to me. Maybe because he's got such a nice bald head. But yeah, I feel like, like Jeff a, actually does no, spend money. He spends he's money, like but he's also like, villain. Yeah. he's a super villain. Exactly. And he's like, so right. he's like, he's definitely willing to like, put you on a private jet to his like giant yacht, but he won't pay his workers a living wage nor provide That's child right. care for them or health care. That's exactly right. Meanwhile, my Amazon delivery is here. Are we <laughs> like buzz like an hour I ago? I'm like, so it's hard. honestly guys, evil, evil. I try so hard. I try so hard not to fucking Amazon shit, but then sometimes you're just like, bah, I need it. I don't do it that often. I did it recently with Starbucks nitro cans because for me, again, not having a car, just let me finish, mm-hmm. not having a car. Mm-hmm. I like to usually go to Costco, get my iced coffees, get my Essentias, my Pellegrinos. I have nowhere to get there. So I, I have to Amazon liquids now to my house because I have no way to carry them. Because <laughs> they're heavy. Here. It's a long story. Michelle, so I have a car so though weak. and I'm here in the yes. city. And so I would love like a, a journey to Costco with you. That would be super fun. Oh my God. I'm not kidding. Because he like, don't we can the flatten. because I my have, dream would be to go to Costco with you. Yeah, no, it would be so fun. Also, you know, I'm a mom. I have like kind of like a little SUV thing. We can put the seats down oh and then God. all that paper towel, everything can just and go then out can, back. Then can you can you? make authentic uh, Instagram content. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we can do so I many reels. Again, <laughs> my eyeballs are like spinning. Like if you, if truly like when you probably like offer drugs to an addict, <laughs> what you just said to me, my, bl- I feel my blood coursing through my veins like sand. Like I cannot <laughs> wait to go to Costco with you. And I will say the Kirkland brand paper towels are better than the bounties. You I'll go to my grave saying it. I'm a uh, big fan of Kirkland. Which is, I bet that that's what I bet um, is Bill Gates' favorite brand of. I bet Kirkland. Yeah, I bet. I bet you oh. he's a Costco <laughs> shopper too. You know, don't you think he always has a urine stain? I don't know how to put it. Like I feel like he always has a bit <laughs> of a piss stain. You know what yeah, I'm talking about? Casey. And I yeah, don't like yeah. that guy. He should double up on his yeah, double up on his undies. <clears throat> wow, what a seg into art. Well, speaking of billionaires who oh. need to wear two pairs of underpants, um, our guest today no. makes what? billionaires cry. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, nice. I was like, how are you going to do this? You did it. <laughs> Is that you a good? <laughs> we always try to like do a seg on the fly, and but we just like we again we don't write anything, we don't prepare, and then 
but you know what she but she does make billionaires cry she's and, done it and occasionally shit themselves yeah so <laughs> She's she's my number one favorite. And I just want to say that I am so blessed to be here with both of you on the same episode with her. So thank you for having me. Guys, it was a dream come true for uh, Casey and I to get to talk to Elizabeth Warren. Senator Warren has a new book out called Persist. I was I was just like super excited that this was the week that we got to talk to her because I was like two days ago crying and saying, I guess there's no point to anything. But Elizabeth Warren says... Persist. Guys, this is a true story. They're advertising on our podcast now. But when I moved to New York, someone on the Girls 5 of a set said, did you get a birdie? And I said, well, I have a kid named Birdie. So yes, I have a birdie. And then they said, no, no, no. You need to get a birdie. It's like this little personal safety alarm that's easy to carry and it's very simple to use. And if you ever feel like you're in danger in the city, if you're ever like walking to the store late at night, if you're ever walking to your car in a parking lot, you just, you have it on your keychain and it's, it's so, so simple. So I went ahead and I ordered like 15 (laughs) because that's just who I am guys. I don't do anything small. They're called She's Birdie, and they're incredible. I got one for for my birdie because, you know, my birdie is getting to be like a teenager, and uh, I got one for Sarah Beth. I got one for Mark because let's be real. You got to be safe. So when you activate the birdie with a quick pull, the alarm emits a 130 decibel siren, and it flashes a strobe light that... uh helps deter an attack. And unlike pepper spray or other deterrents, birdie is not a danger to you. So you can feel confident using it without the worry. You know what I love about birdie? It's really cute. It's super cute. I have the little blue one and I got a bunch of different colors for everyone in my house. Mark, of course, went with the black one. Listen, it goes wherever you go. The alarm comes in many colors, has a brass keychain. You attach it to your keys or your bag. I just like, if I ever am feeling weird, instead of doing that thing with your keys where you put them between your knuckles, you just have your birdie. And you're like, okay, I know that if somebody tries something, I've got this like super crazy alarm that's going to go off and the lights are going to flash and it's going to be a deterrent to them. Over 300,000 birdie alarms have been sold. They have had thousands of five-star reviews. Join the flock today for a safer tomorrow. Right now, She's Birdie is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase when you go to she'sbirdie.com slash best. Go to She's Birdie. That's spelled S-H-E-S-B-I-R-D-I-E.com slash best for 15% off your first purchase. That's She's Birdie dot com slash best. Oh, each and every you guys, we're back with some ads for you with our friends each and every you've heard us talk about them for many months if you've been a fan of the pod for a while because we genuinely love it. It's a natural deodorant and I know what you're thinking. It doesn't work, but it does. I promise you it does. And it's formulated for sensitive skin and it's founded by women. It's simple. It's very safe. It works. I know you're going to love it. I'm a huge fan 
I use each and every every day. I feel like it makes me smell real good. It I'm just not smells lie. so good. There's this limited edition white chamomile and bergamot scent. It smells so good. I just got my latest delivery. I really go lavender because I need to be calmed at all moments. You know what I mean? Yes, I do know. Um, <laughs> so I do whatever know. whatever scents incorporate whatever combination incorporates lavender. I'm like, give me that one. <laughs> um, but it also uses I my teenager also uses it, and like I feel really confident you know, giving them something that I know is non-toxic. It's made with like six simple, safe ingredients, coconut oil, dead sea salt, essential oils. And there's no hidden chemicals, um, no parabens. And it really provides odor protection equal to an antiperspirant without aluminum. It's going to keep you dry, odor-free all day. I wear it when I work out, guys. That's all you need to know. Yeah, you've seen the videos. You know she works out hard. And to top it it off, off... There you go. Tell me. You were going to say it. What? You tell me. It has unique sugarcane packaging, the first eco-conscious carbon negative packaging used in deodorant. That's amazing. We love that. We love it. So guys, you should trust us. Each and every will be your new favorite deodorant. We have a special offer just for our listeners, 30% off your first purchase. 30%. That's a lot. That's a lot. That is 30%. That's a friends and family discount. Any of my friends who like have brands or companies or whatever, their friends and family discount is 30%. So guys, you're friends and family with each and every and with us. So go to com slash best and enter the promo code BEST30. Remember, for 30% off, it's promo code BEST30 at com slash BEST. Senator Warren, you're getting to see me at my most me. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. You thought perhaps I would have my self cool, together cool today collected. because, but yes. I don't. I'm sweating yeah. now. I have That's my, good. <laughs> That's good. Sweat is a good thing. But you know what? I have to say, um, I do feel, and I am press. I did press record. You did press. Thank gosh. So, yeah. Okay. I do have to say, I kind of weirdly feel like there's no better way for me to start this conversation about persist and about the things that we all need to keep fighting for than for me to be harried coming from my other job. (laughs) Not a joke, running downstairs to make sure that a birthday present got taken to the birthday party Mm -hmm. that my husband, in between his call, was shuttling our little one to. And, um, And I'm doing press for another job. And now I'm here with this incredible opportunity to chat with you with Casey about your book. But I mean, first and foremost, you know, Childcare is always the thing that jumps out, right? I, I yeah. think about you Ooh. and truly I think about, I mean, I think about Aunt B a lot. I just yeah. want you to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And think about how you'd like to sign up to get an Aunt B. We love oh, well, Aunt B. No, I mean, listen, make no mistake. My privilege of being a working actor when I was on a television show my, with my daughter was one when I started filming Cougar Town is no joke. I, I get it, but- Previous to that, and I wrote about this in my book, from the housing bubble of 2008, which you talked Uh in great deal about in your book as well, I like basically had to short sale a house. I was Mm -hmm. almost completely broke at age 29. I had this baby and I had to go back to work as an actress and I got cast on Cougar Town and I 
asked the woman that had periodically been helping me if she could come with me to set with the baby. And so so even me, hi, um, <laughs> on a television show, people wouldn't expect it, uh, you know, but I was having a hard time yeah. securing childcare, but also being able to afford it until the checks came in for Cougar Town, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that's so relatable to so many parents, and it seems totally unreasonable that we haven't right. fixed this yet. And, you know, that's that's the heart of what the book Persist is about. It's about how much policy, including bad policies, touch us personally and how change is possible. And that's what keeps me and a lot of other people in the fight for ourselves and particularly in the case of childcare, for our daughters, for our granddaughters. You know, I I tell a story, as you know, and persist about twice for me, I almost didn't finish my education because I had a baby and I had everything so worked out. And then childcare nearly destroyed me. I just couldn't get it, couldn't afford it, couldn't find it. And then a few years later, I get my first full-time tenure-track teaching job. I am so excited. I am busting my tail. You know, when I'm doing the, as so many moms know, I talk about, you know, trying to do 85 things at once and I'm I'm getting home and I'm trying to get food done and get kids bathed and everybody fed and I'm doing laundry at 11 o'clock at night and class prep at midnight. I can do insanely busy, but the part that broke me was childcare. Yeah. And just, and it's because, because you just literally can't do it. What am I going to do? I cannot bring two little tiny children to my class while I teach. I just, you can't. No. And it's also how awful it makes you feel. You know, it's, it's that, that you feel like you don't have your child situated in a good place and here you are trying to work, you're trying to do other things, trying to finish your education, and you just can't do it. And what gets to me on this is this was my problem two generations ago. Now, right. Then it was my daughter's problem when she had babies. And if we don't fix this, this is going to be my granddaughter's problem if she has babies. Damn it, it is time to finish this and get it fixed. And it's so interesting because I do a ton of interviews. I just did a whole day of a press junket for my new show, and people ask me about mom guilt, mom guilt, uh-huh. mom guilt, mom guilt. And all I all I can ever think is like, I didn't have mom guilt because I was able to afford a full-time caretaker who I knew was taking wonderful care of my children and bringing them to visit me when they could and taking them to classes and interacting with them. And that was my privilege of being on a television show and making that money. And so the guilt of me like leaving them to go work was so much less because, because I you had knew a good situation that they were being mm-hmm. taken care mm-hmm. of in su- mm-hmm. in a way that I would want to take care mm-hmm. of them, and I have so many friends and my sister and where you don't we don't live in the same way we did where family was around. We don't all have an aunt B who's retired and is like, "Let me come help you with this." Mm-hmm. And for those women, especially, we know the choice gets made, and they just can't 
they they cut it off. They're like, well, this is the choice, and the choice is that I'm going to stay home now. Yeah, and you and know, we're losing so much in the workforce. But it, because that's the thing, we had a crisis before the pandemic, and then the pandemic has just driven so many women either out of the workforce altogether or sidelined them in their careers. They've gone to part-time. They haven't taken on full-time work, haven't been able to respond in the same way. And here's the thing. We need to make, and this is the argument I make in the book, I talk about the personal stories, my own and those of people I love, but I also make the argument we need to make this investment. If we want people to go to work, look, we invest in roads and bridges, We invest in uh, broadband communications. Why? So people can go to work. So businesses can actually get things done. If you want to see productivity go up in the United States, invest in childcare so that parents can go to work and know that their children are in a place that's high quality, that's safe, that's affordable, that's actually available. And so for me, that's what this moment in time is about. That's this a big part of why I wrote this book, is to talk about, look at all that's happened in the last year. Mm-hmm. We've made it through a pandemic, a racial reckoning, an armed insurrection. Uh, we have a new president. And now we have already passed the biggest rescue package in history And we have our toes right on the line. The next 100 days, we're going to make critical decisions about what's possible in this country. And for so long, the opportunities for change, ah, those doors have been closed and bolted and double locked. And now, because of all that's happened, the doors are open. They're not wide open, but they're open a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we have this moment when we can lower our shoulder, run at it hard, and make some big deal changes that would affect people's lives. Child care, student loan debt, care for seniors, a wealth tax to bring in more revenue, things that would make big structural differences in our economy. Housing, health care, we could do those things. Senator Warren, one thing that I love that you said in the book is that what you learned in 2008 was two things. You don't get what you don't fight for. Yep. And two, during a crisis, the door to change opens just a crack. And Mm -hmm. I do think that we've all sort of felt that in this past year, year and a half now, that the door is open a crack. Where it feels sometimes to me, I just personally, as somebody who is an activist, who does try to do all of the work, who tries to use the platform, but then also all the other means to helping um, the active, you know, people on the front lines make the changes and, and dictate what the policy should be. It does feel sometimes, though, like insurmountable. And I recently, with the trans laws that are being passed, sorry, I'm getting emotional, but, you know, I just am. I am because I care deeply about people in our country. And when I was younger, I thought, well, I'm lucky I live in California. So abortion will never be an issue for me or my friends or people I know or my kids. Um, And, you know, 
they'll have rights and they'll be able to marry who they want to marry. And now I'm just looking at this landscape of these dudes in these states who are being so insidious with their passage of laws in order to take a run at the Supreme Court that they think now is in their favor. And what do I do, Senator Warren? Help me! (laughs) So the first thing you do is you take a deep breath, center yourself, and then you remember how much power you have. You have an amazing amount of power. You specifically do. Busy, but so does everyone who is listening to this. Look, why do you think so many corporations have stepped up on the trans issues and on voting issues in particular? And we've watched it. It's not because they suddenly grew a conscience. It's because they realize there are so many people out there who are customers, who are employees, and that we as a group, are paying attention. We're paying more attention and we will lift our voices and we will talk about the things that touch us personally and that we are willing to fight back against. It's it's part of, of when I talk about in this book, the importance of persistence. It's the importance of identifying how you're affected, why you care. And it it can be because of your heart. You care about these issues and that you're going to be there today and tomorrow and the next day. And when people start to realize that, when elected officials in Washington start to realize that, it changes how the conversation works. Let me give you an example. Childcare. Do you think that Presidents were talking about childcare when they addressed the nation back in the 1970s. Nope. In the 80s? Uh uh. In the 90s? Nope. Not on your life. (laughs) The early 2000s? How about in the teens? And the answer is no, 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 no. But boy, particularly over this last year, (laughs) we're out there. We're talking about it. We recognize that change is within our reach. And so, here we are. I've got to be a presidential candidate. I know. Who gave literally dozens and dozens and dozens of town halls, and at virtually every one of them, I started out talking about childcare <laughs> and got lots of men and lots of women and lots of kids and lots of seniors to at least think a little about I might want a president that cares about childcare. And then last week, Joe Biden stood up, addressed the nation, and talked about child care, said he wants to put $425 billion over the next 10 years for child care and early childhood education. He wants us as a nation to make an investment in child care. Now, you know me. It needs to be a little bigger. <laughs> we have some right. details on the plans. Yes. Oh, but think. Just for a minute, stop and savor that kind of change. And why did it happen? It happened because of you. It happened because of people who are listening to this podcast. It happened because we got in the fight and said, this matters. And now you can feel it starting to move. And that means, boy, this is the moment 
double down. Push Put your shoulder harder. into it. <laughs> Put your shoulder into shoulder. it. Exactly right. This is the moment when the door opens a crack, drop your shoulder, right? And run as hard as you can at it because the change we make will be the changes for right now, but they'll be the changes for generations to come. Yeah. One thing that I loved so much about your book, we were talking a little bit about it earlier. I think people think of you as the the woman with the plans and that you're so <laughs> great at policy. You just have this mind for policy. But what you said to me earlier is that policy is personal. People <laughs> think of policy and they think, oh, this is dry and it's, it's legal and it's official. But when you start to attach those to, oh, this has to do with my aunt and her health, right. and this has to do with my mom or my child or for me and my future, then policy is personal. And so when I first became interested in politics was when I had been working in television for years and things started to change in television. And mm -hmm. I went from having regular health insurance to all these companies being like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, we're just, we're not going to give you health insurance anymore. It's just like, you're not going to have it. And then suddenly I had a family and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to insure my right. family. Right. And there were years when we scrambled and that's when I started to be like, wait, like this isn't a given. This is like a thing that I always just assumed would be a given. It had been a given my whole entire life. That's when I really began to be like, oh no, like the, the floor just dropped out. That's when yeah. it became personal for me. And I was kind of embarrassed that yeah. it hadn't been before. You know, Casey, though, I think that's it. We all have different awakenings at different moments and things that that really start to hit us, right, about how the world works. I, I start this book, um, I take all the perspectives. I think about what I bring to a fight and others. So I organize this book around being a mother, uh, a teacher, uh, a planner, a fighter, a fighter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly, a learner, and a woman. Yeah. And, and I try to talk about how different pieces fit together for me and for people I love. Because ultimately, if, if we don't make this move, if we don't say now is the time and let's make change, we're all going to be poor. You know, this is mm -hmm. the thing about childcare. Let me just, let me stick with childcare for a minute. We know the personal reasons for childcare, right? I, you talk about them. I talk about them. For me, I wouldn't have finished my education. I would have. I would have quit my first big professional job. No, nope. maybe someday I'd have gotten back on the track. Then again, maybe not. You just there's no way to know that. I think about how many other women were knocked off in my generation, in my daughter's generation. How many will be knocked off in my granddaughter's generation? But here's the thing: even if you don't have children and don't worry about childcare. You don't know anyone who has children and worries about, you don't like children and worry about <laughs> childcare. Whatever your position is, you should care about universal childcare. And here's why. Starting back in the 1970s, as more and more mothers, not just women, we already had a lot of women who didn't have children were in the workforce, but as mothers started going into the workforce, GDP in the United States went up. Mm 
productivity goes up. We become richer as a nation. And year by year, you watch more and more mothers of children going into the workforce. This is my generation doing this. You're welcome, right, that the country got richer. (laughs) Then what happens around the year 2000? Mm -hmm. A lot of things. Y2K. A lot of things happen. A lot of things happen, truly. It's true. And it just flattens out and actually declines a little. Childcare is so hard to get. The overall trying to put this together gets harder and harder. So we see fewer and fewer women with children in the workforce. So there was a study done after this, just a couple of years ago, and it said if the United States, if women had continued to go into the workforce, mothers, Mm -hmm. at the same rate that they did in several other countries around the world, Norway, then our entire economy right now would be a trillion and a half dollars richer. Oh, my Lord. And I say that by way of saying, think about what that means. Invest in each other and we all do better. But this is, Warren, I have so many deep theories about this. I want to take you out for so many beers to talk (laughs) about this. I am so ready. (laughs) Casey and I, Casey, this is a thing that Casey and I have talked about for years. Um, Partially because, you know, at its very, very kernel of a core, it's about the patriarchy and white supremacy. And it's about these bros wanting to keep themselves in power. So perpetrating cultural ideas that reinforce these horrible fucking things that young women watch and learn. Sorry, I just swore in front of a Senator Casey. I, I'm, I'm so sorry. She, I think I, she said hell or damn in her book. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I know, I know, but I, but I, but I am embarrassed. Um, my mother is going to be so mad at me, <laughs> Senator Warren. But the, um, yeah, there's something uniquely American about like the patriarchy being like, you know what? It, it might be good for our gross national product, but we're willing to trade on that to, to maintain patriarchal power. power. But you know, that's the thing. Nobody's going to give up power just because. Right. And this goes back to what, what we were talking about earlier and, and that Busy was making the point. You don't get what you don't fight for. Mm-hmm. That's right. So this really is, this is our fight. This is, this is my fight. This is your fight, and it is the fight of every person today who is ready to say enough. That's what this book is about. It says it lays out the agenda. You know me, I've always got a plan. Yeah, I love the plan. And says, here are the pieces we need if we're really going to build an America of opportunity, not just for some, but opportunity for everyone. Oh, so good. Well, we always talk about pivots on this show. Mm -hmm. So I do want to get your pivot story because I told Busy on the phone last night, you're practically made of pivots. I was just going to say which one you want to start with. (laughs) Like, what would you, what would you say was your biggest pivot in your life? The one that had the most impact on your life? Oh, wow. So can I, I tell you what. How about I'll lay out a little buffet and you can pick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when I got fired oh. uh, when I was pregnant. Yeah. And I made the decision to go back to school. And of all the crazy things, and it felt <laughs> crazy, to go to law school. I mean, here I am, 
this kid who's grown up in Oklahoma, I'm the first of my family to graduate from college and yeah. get this teaching job. Making that pivot, big one, but I'll give you a second one. Divorce. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah. big pivot. And then when I started teaching in law, I had traded, you know, I started out, I was a special ed teacher. Yeah. And I had four to six-year-olds, and I tell stories about them. Um, in the book, making the transition, so now I'm teaching in law school. I'm teaching much taller people uh, <laughs> in law school. I love teaching in law school. Giving that up to go into, to run for elected office. I mean, that's a, that's a big pivot. Yeah, um, it really is. Do you still feel like a teacher? Oh, yeah. I still yeah. have teaching dreams. Oh, wow. You do? <laughs> I do. I do. I mean, listen, Senator Warren, you were my choice. <laughs> I voted for you in the California primaries. Thank you. Um, but uh, I think one thing that the plan, the plans speak mm-hmm. to, and one thing that I think made you my candidate was your ability to teach. I'm not a scholar. I don't know the intricacies of the law, and I don't know the ins and outs of so many things. I only know what I feel is right for mm-hmm. all and what I'd like to see. And so you being able to teach at these town halls, watching them, I never attended one. I don't love crowds, but uh, I wanted to. Wait, but you're I an actress and you don't love crowds? I just want to make sure I'm I, following this. I get very, I get very, cl- like, that's what I was always so impressed. I'm kind of a germaphobe too, but mm-hmm. I would watch your selfie lines and I was like, oh my God, all of those germs. <laughs> Like, I would have just, I would have been, it would have driven me insane. But I know you loved the personal connection. (laughs) I do. I do. I love those pinky promises. Oh, Oh, the pinky promises. But the teaching, the teacher, the teacher came through, Senator Warren. And you really did help, I think, whether people were going to vote for you or whether they had their hearts set on another candidate, I think that you were able to crystallize for a lot of people the importance of certain issues and why they needed to be taken seriously in in the debates and in town halls and snippets that were taken and put on the news and into the ether of the internet. Um, So I feel like that background, it has been incredibly helpful for me personally. Yeah. But I wonder moving forward, as we're, as we're persisting and we're going to make these plans a reality, how do you envision the participation of the public? So I, it's very sweet of you to say that. You know, this is what I love to pound running for president, but also why... When I dropped out, I turned right around and found other ways to work on this same set of issues. That's what yeah. persistence is. It's not, well, gee, I had this one plan and I've got to follow this one plan. Uh, oh, maybe it means you have to pivot. Yeah. Uh, if that one doesn't work, then you find another one. But it was it was such an incredible opportunity to be able to talk about, like I said, like childcare and the investments we could make, to be able to talk about the wealth tax over and over because the wealth tax is about power and it's about power in corporations. It's about power in Washington. 
And it's about, as a nation, trying to get some of that back into our children who don't have a lot of power. They don't have a lot of lobbyists on their side. So to me, the way we make this happen is we do exactly what you and I are doing right now. We talk about it. Mm -hmm. We get out there and we talk about it. We don't let it go away. We don't say, well, I voted in November, so I'm done. Or I voted in November, and then I watched Joe Biden's address to the nation last week. Check that box. It's to remember, as Casey and I were talking about earlier, it's personal, and part of personal means you're willing to fight for it at least a little bit every single day. And here's the amazing thing. Getting in that fight matters. It it matters. It matters. And we're watching it move and matter. So I'll give you an example around this. Student loan debt. Student loan debt. Uh, When I first went to Congress, nobody's talking about it. I mean, not at all. I put together my very first bill as a fresh new senator (laughs) And it's on, it's very modest compared to where we are right now. But it says, let's refinance student loan interest rates to bring them down so people can pay off their debt faster. Do you know how many co-sponsors I could get for that bill? I have a feeling not a lot. Zero. (laughs) Zero. None. Not none. Because it was that far out there. It was so beyond what anybody was talking about. But I went out and talked about it publicly and, you know, tweeted about it and posted Facebook and so on. And by golly, in no time at all, there were people all around this country saying, sign me up. And also saying, and while you're at it, Mm -hmm. how about we just get rid of some of this shit? (laughs) And... It grew, it grew, it grew until a couple of things happened. President Obama canceled some student loan debt. Now, it was a narrow slice, but wiped out student loan debt for some people who had been cheated by for-profit colleges. President Trump, during the pandemic, canceled all interest on all student loan debt, no matter who you were and whether you could manage it or not manage it. That's $5 billion a month, just gone. President Biden has now done the same thing. So we've watched three presidents in a row take on debt cancellation. And we are now in a place where in 2020, every Democrat who was running in the primary had some version of student loan debt cancellation. And we now have a president who we're talking about how it should be done, how much should be done, $50,000 should be canceled. That's what Chuck Schumer and I are pushing hard for. And it is possible. It's within our grasp. That didn't happen because of me. It happened because of us. It happened because of our persistence. We push it through. It's going to be life-changing. Yep. So, okay, I'm just... Are the calls to your senators, are they necessary? Do they oh, work? Yes, ma'am, they work. In fact, uh-huh. I'll tell, tell you. Wait, say it again. Say it again yes. for the people at home, calls guys. Calls to your senators, calls to your representatives work. 
as do emails. What if your senator is is on the same page as you? Does it still count? Yes. Is it still worth because it? Because it moves it up in the priority. Mm-hmm. Every senator has a brain that is only this big. It's obviously bigger <laughs> than their heads. But, <laughs> but it's, it's finite. It's, uh-huh. it's just this big. And there are 80 bazillion things going on in Congress at any one time. And people try to prioritize and what they care about. Every time you call and say, this matters to me, it moves closer to the center of that brain. It moves up. And so even if your senators, even if your rep is one of the good ones, it is important to call and get your issue moved up on the attention list. And here's another little hint. The more it moves up on your senator's attention list, the more it moves up on the leader of the Senate's list, on the Speaker of the House's list, and on the President of the United States' list. So you get real bang for your buck out of this. Phone calls, emails, texts, and doing things publicly. So posting about it on Mm -hmm. Facebook, telling your story, retweeting when other people talk about it. These are what what put wind in our sails. I, I talk about in the book about change and how it comes about. And part of it is I think of this as an inside-outside game. So I'm on the inside. I'll figure out a path. We need uh, a statute, and I've already written it. It's a pending bill to change child care. We don't need a statute. We need a president of the United States who will just sign a release to get rid of student loan debt. So there's two things. Mm-hmm. That's my job on the inside, to identify the ways around it and what the language is and so on. But we need wind from the outside. Mm-hmm. We need enough Americans. We need enough people saying, yes, we need to get this done. We do that. That's how we'll make change. That is a hot tip straight from Senator yeah. Elizabeth Warren, everyone. One thing I wanna one thing I wanna compliment you on, and I think it's useful to probably a lot of people that are listening to this podcast. You talk about corruption, you talk about housing, education, healthcare, economy, all of the problems with that, but you also very pointedly say that none of the problems with any of these things will be fixed without dismantling racism. And yep. specifically mm-hmm. that it's not enough to be not racist. You must mm-hmm. work to toward being anti-racist. And that is a huge, huge deal. And so I just want to like give you a round of applause for that. Thank you. You know, policy is not race neutral. No. So you, you can look at something like our housing policy in America right mm-hmm. now. You say, well, look as much as you want. It won't say anything about African-Americans or communities of color. But here's the deal. Housing is the number one wealth that America, uh, number one way that Americans build wealth. You buy a house, it appreciates over time, you pay it off. If you're really lucky, you can roll it over to the next generation. Grandma and grandpa die in it, and the next generation does a little better, does a little better. No surprise that the federal government, for decades, subsidized the purchase of homes for white people and undercut the purchase of homes for black people. It's called redlining. And this was federal law until the mid-1960s. So mid-1960s, we said, we're not going to do that anymore. But it had already created this huge racial wealth gap in America. And so 
just having neutral laws, you know, anyone can live anywhere, theoretically, but not paying attention to that housing gap and all that comes from that wealth gap that it creates. Differences in education, differences Mm -hmm. in health outcomes, differences in total economic security, all of that has been embedded in the system. People ask, what is structural racism? That's structural racism. And it's not enough as a country for us to say, well, we're not enacting new racist laws. No, we have to be anti-racist. We have to see it, call it out, and put plans in place to counteract the racist effects. So that's another part. There's a whole chapter in the book about this, as you know. Yeah, it it, it was really, it was amazing. There's one Thank other you. thing I really, really want to compliment you on, and I know that Busy does as well, because I know it was thrilling to both of us, which is, you talk a lot about like, well, I lost, and that was hard for me. I wasn't used to it. You were historic. You played a, an historic role in this presidential election in the way that you handled Michael Bloomberg during the debates. Mm -hmm. You said not today, Michael Bloomberg, not another billionaire. You shut him down. You, you really, you turned it. You know what I mean? And in the end, you don't need a, you don't need a pep talk from me, Senator Warren. You know, you know what you did, but (laughs) <laughs> she knows what she did. <laughs> you know what you did. But for us, for us women, and just the way that we were feeling after four years, it mm. was very cathartic and very, it was my version of a Marvel movie, what happened uh. on that on that debate stage. You were like so. essentially promising young woman, but <laughs> in the presidential election, you, on the on the stage of 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 the debates. So we we would like to thank you for for not letting it go. You have a lot of metaphors in the book about punching and teeth on the floor, which is also very cathartic. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> so we would like to thank you for not letting it go. You stood up for women, and you stood up for. It felt like you stood up for us, and you well, you changed the wind. Well, thank you. You know. It, it, For me, it was about power. It was about who has it, who doesn't, and who ain't going to give it up unless somebody makes him. Mm -hmm. And Michael Bloomberg thought he could buy that primary. He thought he could just roll over the fact that he had, heaven only knows, how many non-disclosure agreements out there from whatever he had said or done to women through the years. And to me, that, that wasn't just I disagree with him or disagree with him on policy. It was I saw him as a genuine threat to our democracy. If we traded one billionaire for another, one person who treated women with disrespect for another, uh, one person who couldn't hear what people were saying to him right. over stop and frisk in New York City, uh, over what he had he had said to his own women employees, then then this whole idea that democracy is is about us. It's about what we build from the grassroots up. 
No, it becomes just the billionaire versus billionaire game. And we can't do that as a nation. I, I wrote Persist because I do believe in power. Power matters. It matters in this country. It matters for the future we build. But I believe that the Michael Bloombergs of the world, the Donald Trumps of the world, right now, they have too much power. But the rest of us, when we put our shoulder to it, the rest of us ultimately have much more. We just have to be willing to take it on personally, to take on this fight personally, and to make the changes that matter most to us. And I believe we can do it. I'm an optimist here. I mean, I, you're, you're, you're keeping me on the optimistic yeah. path because I have been feeling in, in the last couple of weeks every day, my email from the ACLU is like another gut punch. I'm on the board for the Center for Reproductive Rights, you know, and I was able to testify before Congress. And even in that experience, I thought, well, certainly these tides will be changing a bit. And nope, they're just back to their same old games of stripping women's Mm -hmm. rights. And one more thing I, I really did want to talk to you about was WIPA, the Women's Health Protection Act. If we're going to get get it in this administration, do you think? I hope so. Uh, right now, the focus at this moment is on infrastructure. And then I think right interwoven with that is going to be voting. But... These core issues, like protecting access to abortion, are are the kinds of things that, look, about 70% of America thinks Roe versus Wade should be the law of America, the whole country. Whether, wherever you are on that spectrum, that's where the majority, just under three out of every four Americans in a democracy That means we ought to be able to get that, not from the courts, not, I'm not going to rely on the Supreme Court. I want to move this over to the legislation. We should be able to pass these laws. Again, it's about raising our voices. And the way I see it, it's about two things. It's about a series of economic issues for women. If you don't have control over your body, you don't have control over your economic future either. But it's also about power. Mm -hmm. I I tell the story in the book about being in Indiana. I know, I was crying. I know, we were doing, it made me cry too. Uh, We were doing a selfie line and woman comes up to me and reaches over and gives me a big hug and then whispers in my ear, about how her daughter had been raped by her coach and how this this young person had gone through the trauma of rape and then had to go through the trauma of trying to get an abortion in a state that had tried to put up as many blocks as it could. And she said, please keep fighting for access to abortion. And I thought of this as 
This young woman who had been through this terrible trauma needed to be treated with some dignity and respect. If she had a decision to make, she should decide who's going to help her. Her mother, her doctor, her pastor, but it is not the role of the government to step in and tell her what she must do. And again, it's why I talk about, in all these cases, these fights are personal. They are us. They are our sisters, our daughters, our sons, who are affected by what we do. And it's why it is so powerfully important for us to connect to the reasons that these these policies are made and to say, and I'm just going to keep these three or four in front of me and every chance I get, I'm just going to push them a little more because a million people do that, we start to make change. 10 million people do that, oh, we're on the way. A hundred million people do it. We have made change. That's where we're headed. We persist and we make the changes we need to make. I love how you talk very quiet when you get like impassioned about things because I talk very loud when I get impassioned about things. But it's, I appreciate, but I, but I like listen more. And now teacher. I see the power. I see it's the power the te- in it. That's the teacher. That's I know. The, I love it. It's the teacher way. Wait, yes. also, by the way, for our uh, <laughs> listeners at home, say, we did it, just see Bailey's little cute fluffy butt. I was going to say, like, Bailey was, out. if you heard a little breathing, it was none of us. It was Bailey was <laughs> having was a little breathing. <laughs> he was just like wandering in and I got very okay, excited. Just, it's, like, uh-huh. it's like seeing it's a celebrity. A real celebrity <laughs> sighting. It's a real celebrity sighting when Bailey comes in. He graced us with his oh. presence. He, Wait, he I comes have, to check what's going on. <laughs> Senator Warren, other other than um, we'll, we'll take uh, President Biden and Vice President Harris off of the table. Who mm-hmm. was your favorite among the presidential nominees that you were against? Oh, now, you know, you're never allowed to say this. <laughs> I cannot possibly Who did you choose, like the best? But... Who, was, who was the most fun? Oh, you know who was a lot of fun for me was Julian Castro. You love, love Julian Castro. I love Castro. Julian. And mm-hmm. it's probably pretty clear from the book. I think Julian is fabulous. He's smart and thoughtful, and he's an idea guy. Yeah. Um, and that's that's always lots and lots of fun. And look, Bernie's out there. It, he's passionate. He's deeply engaged. Um, it's it was interesting. There were a lot of folks. But look, let's face it. It was a it was a big crowded field. Yeah. I understand yes. that. But people who care. People who are willing to turn their lives upside down because they care about the direction our country's going. And in a general sense, we were all aiming in the same direction. Mm -hmm. We wanted to get rid of Donald Trump as president of the United States. And, you know, by golly, uh, once Joe Biden had the, the nomination, we all did what we could. All of us. It wasn't just me. Lots of folks, what we could do 
to try to bring as many people in to turn out the vote, to to have people engaged. And, and that's how we did it. Joe Biden ultimately ran on the most progressive agenda we've had in decades. Remember, he ran on canceling student loan debt. He ran that whole Build Back Better Mm -hmm. was about making real investments going forward. He ran on a a full set of progressive issues because that's what that year was about. Uh, Mm -hmm. A pandemic, we need a government on our side. A racial reckoning, we need a government that believes in justice and is willing to make change to produce that justice. And now that's 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 a big part. He he won by seven million votes. It's, yeah. That's that's more than anybody any has other. ever won yeah. any election before. Now is the chance to make, to the, make the change. We got it. Doors open, <laughs> just a crack. Everybody ready? Lower your shoulder. Let's run at this. I just want to say, because we have so many women who are listening, who are fans, who love you, who now know that calling their senators and their and their representatives is a thing that we need to keep doing because it really does work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just the other thing that I want to ask you about, because I know you feel very passionately about this, like there might be someone listening to this who's like, I wish I could run for city council because I just yes, feel like yes, yes. This, this is what we need. And so just yes. give your just give your your elevator pitch before you have to run. To if you want to make change home. Yes. and you think you can do it, run for office. Look, I'm somebody who had never run for office before. I hadn't thought about it in a million years But all of a sudden, things kind of lined up, and I looked left, looked right, and said, nobody else is going to beat this guy. I guess I better try. And that's what I did. And here's the thing. I was stunned. When I ran for Senate back in 2012 against a popular, well-funded incumbent Republican, let me say that again, here in Massachusetts, incumbent Republican with high approval ratings, the number of people that I didn't know, I wasn't in politics, who stepped forward and said, if you'll run, I'll help you. I'll get in there. I can do this part. I, I, I can't be the candidate, but I can be the one who handles the mailing. I can be the one that helps you raise some money. I can be the one that puts up posters or organizes people. I met people who decided. I met a woman. I still remember this. I met a woman in line uh, in the last month before the election. She said, you're going to win. And I said, thank you, you know, just say. (laughs) The polling was, you know, nip and tuck. I think I was behind by a couple of points. And she said, no. She said, my best friend and I decided 11 months ago that we wanted to help you win. And so twice a week, we changed our work hours, and twice a week, we stand out in the traffic circle near our home for two hours with Warren for Senate signs. And she said, and at first, 
you know, people just looked at us like we were crazy. And, you know, uh, and then finally people started honking. And she said, now everybody honks. Everybody gives us, you know, pump this. That's how we know you're going to win. And when I heard this story, all I thought is, I've never met you. I don't know you. <laughs> and God bless you. Yeah. You showed up and helped. So here's my pitch to everyone who's listening. Be the one who runs or be the one who helps someone who runs. Because that is truly one of the important steps to making change. Yes. When we need more women, we need more women in positions of power. And uh, Senator Warren, I cannot thank you enough for gracing our little podcast (laughs) with your impressive presence. Thank you so much. The book is persistent. It's out now. It's amazing. Thanks, Mitch McConnell, for the the catchphrase. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, because my (laughs) husband, it's, I think I'm going to go on record This is the only good thing Mitch McConnell has ever done for our country is, guys, in case you forgot, because my husband forgot that uh, Elizabeth Warren, Senator Warren, uh, was told to stop speaking during the confirmation of Jeff (laughs) Sessions as U.S. Attorney General, but she did not stop speaking. Mm -hmm. And Mitch McConnell- Much like we want. Mitch McConnell, in his like remarks after following the vote, uh, said, uh, re Senator Warren, you know, we told her to stop. Nevertheless, she persisted. That's right. He moved to censure me and to get me to stop talking. I got thrown off the floor of the Senate on that line. The thing, he thought that that was an insult. Nevertheless, she persisted. That's the thing that's wild. That's what it means to be a persistent woman is that we just take those insults and we not only keep on rolling, we we get stronger. And that's turn what it into a, a book. Yeah. It's our superpower. Exactly. Um, it's our thank superpower. Thank you so much. Thank take you, care. Senator it's Warren. It's good to see both of you. Nice You're fabulous. You take care and Thanks. persist. Yes. Thank you. you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. back um you guys elizabeth warren she's amazing i mean wow i mean it when i say it i really like how she gets very quiet when she's saying something of great import because you have to listen and maybe i should start to do that instead of what i've done for years which is get very fucking loud You guys, you'll never do that. I say this. I'm never going to do it. We were talking about how Tina Fey does that. She's also like a very quiet talker. She's a quiet talker. And then Mm -hmm. you're just like, you have to listen very intently to what she's saying. And it works. I do. I only quiet talk if I'm talking to someone loud. You ever do that? Like if you're at a dinner with Mm. someone who really talks loud and then like you can't tell them to shush. So you're just like, it's really funny because back when I was in school, like you have to really (laughs) lower your voice so that they do it. Because, you know, if you're like, with other mm. people, it's embarrassing. Anyway, go on. You have a high <laughs> EQ, Michelle. I think so, too. Thank I think you, you do. Nice. Um, you know, that was like one of the craziest, biggest insults that uh, a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine was dating this guy. And he was just such a fucking dick. And he was also like probably, you know, he was very smart, but like, okay, fine. And... uh but was just like a pretentious dick. And she kind of just didn't get it, like 
how much of a pretentious dick he was. And we were talking and she's like, yeah, I mean, he really liked spending time with you. And I was like, yeah, interesting. Yeah, he's he's all right. Yeah, I mean, I'm on, uh, uh. like, I'm honest with my friends, okay? Yeah. Like, I'm just like, listen, it wasn't my favorite hang. You know what I mean? <laughs> I hope that, I hope that he was just nervous, maybe intimidated by our closeness and that in the future, maybe we can get to know each other better. And she goes, well, you know what he did say? He was like, busy is just, She's so emotionally intelligent. I watched her do this thing, da 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 da. And I was like, he just told you I was stupid. He just told you that he thought I was stupid. <laughs> now you're doing a blind item. <laughs> well, it is a blind item, but only because I don't want to. Well, it doesn't matter because, you know, where yeah. is that guy? Who was it? We don't I even know. know. I know. Yeah. And, well, anyway. But I think that's a nice thing to say. Was I being shaded just now? I think so. No, I wasn't shading was nice. you. No, I wasn't shading you. That. It, it yeah. is nice unless it's being said as an insult. I got you. Because like that's the only way the you're only intelligent thing, emotionally. Yes, the only thing this guy could say about me it. was that I was emotionally intelligent. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you, you fucking asshole. You know what? You're not. You're a dick. <laughs> and he's gone. Um, well, I loved that conversation with uh, Senator Warren. I do feel inspired. I'm so glad to know that calling your senators and your representatives is like a thing that we sh- it works. It's effective. Yeah, because sometimes it feels like you're just like shouting into your toilet. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I thought, and I thought <laughs> like, does it really make a difference? They're just going to do what they're going to do. But, uh, but Senator Warren, Michelle told us. You know, mm-hmm. keep calling, making those calls. Like when people say, call your senator, I'm like, okay, grandma, let me first get off my skateboard. And I don't know. It just <laughs> right. feels like a little wasteful. I agree. Toilet. Yeah. She just was like, so that's nice. you got to do it. You have to do it. So we have to do it. So we have to do yeah. it. So guys, we got to do it. I'll do it for her. All right. I'm going to do it for her Done. too. I'm going to do it for, I'm not, and, and, and my children. And my children's children. Oh, busy. All right, whatever. Um, Do it for One Direction. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I had something else to like talk to you two about. Fuck, what was it? I'm wearing a really short skirt on Fallon tonight. I'm concerned about sitting. Are you going to wear underpants? Not if I can help it. No, I mean, you, yeah. Listen, you want people to watch the show? I'm, I'm going to, I always wear, I always wear a, I always wear under, I'm not an, I'm not one of those people. I, I have a best friend from high school who to this day is like, I really hate underwear. I just never really wear it. And I'm like, hmm. really? That is not my journey. Love it. Me too. A huge part of my job on Watch What Happens Live was making sure that no housewife vaginas went out on live well, television. Casey, where we are didn't you hire tonight? someone especially for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just, like you're on Vag Watch, like behind Andy. Yeah, yeah. It just was oh. like that was like a big a big combination: short dresses and and no underpants. I mean, honestly, yes, I get it. Wait, yeah, but they don't wear underwear. Why don't they wear underwear? Just sometimes I think because like it makes like a bad a bad line or like how yeah, tight it's bad it line. is or yeah. I've I've actually had to do that before in a press dress or like a dress that I'm wearing for something, not yeah. in my uh, not IRL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see a lot. There's a lot of tags still attached to dresses, a lot of you know, the shoes go on after they've sat down. A lot of no underwear. There's a lot of housewives dressing secrets. 
Ooh. I met Jill Zarin at CNN and uh, she was promoting her. She, this is uh, many, many moons ago, girls. And she was promoting her shapewear line called Squeeze Couture, if you recall. No. It may have been spelled S-K-W-E-E-Z. Sure. I won't take that. I'm not 100%. But anyway, and she sat and like, I remember she had beige ones on. And I always like in a skirt, I'll always wear like little, you know, shorties or spanks or whatever. You know, there's the moment. I just always have a little something to prevent the chafe. <laughs> but anyway, hers were so long that they came almost to the knee, like Amish length here. <laughs> sure. But then had this short dress on and I thought, and you could clearly see them. And I thought, it's good promotion for the brand, although like, you know, to show people I'm wearing my own squeezed couture fabric, but there was something about it that I've never forgotten. <laughs> it, was like, it was like unhinged. I'm like, you're just going to be your beige shorts hanging out of your like little, you know, David Meister dress. Okay. It just felt strange to me. I just wanted to share that story. You but know we do what? Love it's, a, it's like a double usefulness um, because it protects you from the chafe. If you have like a long chafing mm. surface area, then there's that. Yes. But those knees... Your knees chafe, but, <laughs> never know. but never also know. if you're only like, um, if you're only like a ben- below the knee shaver, then that takes care of that's that. That's also true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, very Mrs. Nice Mrs. Doubtfire reference, Casey. <laughs> I know exactly what you're thinking of when he gets on the bus. <laughs> I just, uh, I have no patience or time in my life for shapewear at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, you probably don't need it. I literally will bleed from my legs if I don't wear like a. You know, and they're very thin. They're actually, I found a brand that has like sexy ones. So it doesn't look like straight up doubt fire belly, you know, <laughs> but um, like they're sheer and they're kind of nice. So I'll wear those. But, For chafing yeah, in I the have summertime? To have a short on. Is that what you're saying? Girl, wintertime, summertime. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's seasonal. Every season. I need it. Because I do. I have a thick thigh and they rub together and you know, no, you're sweating. No, I know. I've gone stuff. through yeah. different phases of, of different seasons. In my bodily journey, Michelle. Yeah, listen. If you're the type of person who, um, if you wore corduroys, if the cords would um, become <laughs> bare between <laughs> your thighs, <laughs> yeah, then yeah. you need those. You Isn't need that the, the noise? Yeah, you need <laughs> anti. You need anti <laughs> chafing <laughs> shapewear beneath well, your skirt. There would be survivor fires happening if I wore <laughs> yes. cords. Like I'm gonna wear cords to the survivor set. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, Run around. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do Which use the Mega Babe thigh oh anti chafing glide yeah but you know what else I use there's just like mm. one at CVS that's like um I think it's Arm and Hammer and oh. it's for run it's runners glide it's like a silicone in a tube I use that for face primer sometimes there's an anti chafing product that I sometimes use for face primer because it basically works the same well, I just, I'll genius, try them all. Actually. I'm like, just, I'm into all of them. But my problem, Michelle, is like all, almost like less the chafing at this point, at this bodily journey, but more the sweat rolling down the back of my legs into my knees and pooling. Yeah. You know, You're or wearing pooling, the right shape. But I'm not wearing any shapewear. That's what I'm saying to you. I got to oh, get, so wait, with, I got to yes. get into the thing. You know, I got to like, now that I'm in New York and it's so fucking humid, I got to like figure this out. You got to get like the knee the sweat, Terry wristbands, but for your knees. So Casey, genius, like a dwarf moment. Casey, yes. no, that's <laughs> insane. I'm just saying, and also you got to be careful with the anti-chafing product because you will slip the fuck off a toilet if you go overboard <laughs> with it. I actually can't listen that's, to you right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> and break your fucking hip. Wait, can I wait? Can I tell you though? Truly, Michelle, when we first moved here, I was uh, meeting yes. a friend for like outdoor coffee, and I said to her, um, "I don't get New York weather. Like, what's the weather like?" And she's like, "You know what? It's just that perfect weather where you can wear a silk dress." And I was like. Oh, I'm so oh, sorry. Please. Do you think I have ever in my life been able to wear a silk <laughs> dress? That is so outside of this. For someone that sweats like me, a silk dress is, I mean, it's torture because it's also just like, it will be, I will have sweat lines, my stomach, like where my belly button is. It I have rem- sweat lines under my boob. I like have, sl- it's like a map of your sweatiest spots. Yeah. I mean, well, my sweatiest spots are 100% everywhere. And the worst part mm. now, like what I hate is the back, like dots that come through. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? The like the back yes. dots where I'm just like, well, that's fucking humiliating. Like I would rather it just be like one giant sweat than just dots of sweat down my back. Yeah. Anyway. I bought a satin dress. Uh, I don't like to, you know, brag, but I did buy a dress made of satin and, uh, and it's very beautiful. It's like a green, as I'm talking, by the way, there is a spider on my ceiling. If you see me looking up, it's because the second we're done, I'm going to grab my six foot Swiffer stick and kill it, but I have to watch it. You disparaged spiders when you were talking about Cape Cod and they came out. They did. You they know, you're actually hilarious. That is what happened. <laughs> they did. He it's got just... on the fucking vineyard ferry all Dude, the way to my apartment on the Upper just... West. Anyway, the sweat marks on it, though, I, it's a one and done because then it stains it. It just looks and I had a leather jacket on Mm-mm. with it. Couldn't Mm-mm. take the jacket off no. all day. Wanted to die. It was uh, just Mm-mm. a mistake. And I regret doing it. Spider agrees. Well, <laughs> Michelle, <laughs> this has been a delight yeah. and joy. And uh, oh, for I, me, too. I can't wait to watch you be sweaty with Harry Styles later. Oh, God. This week. Can you just know one thing about that? Huh. If you watch that. Uh-huh. I take no credit for my hair makeup wardrobe situation Great. that day. Yeah. Um, that entire season was pretty much horrible, yes. but I look awful. So just know that, <laughs> but enjoy it. Um, That's what I have to say. But thank you for having me. I today. love it. And I'm on board. We uh, love you so much. We love you. You're amazing. Oh, I love you guys too. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Thank you for coming. And um, yeah, just miss you all the time. And it was so nice to get to I hang know. out with you. We'll come to New York and you can come to Costco with Busy and I. I know. That's going to be fun. I'm on a plane. Guys, look for that content soon. (laughs) On on Twitch. I'll do that. We're going to join Twitch. I'll do the Will Smith body (laughs) at Costco. I'm going to Will Smith's outfit to Costco. You can Twitch it. We're going to Twitch it. We're going to become Twitch streamers. And (laughs) we're going to go to Costco together. Michelle can't cannot stop looking up at her ceiling, so we have to let her go. I know. Okay, we're going to let her go so she can kill the spider. Guys, we love you so much. It's really uh, moving. Please, all right, love you all. Please <laughs> like and subscribe and and download for download God's for God's sakes everyone's podcast. Even people you don't like, like just fucking do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I catch oh, Michelle please. on Midnight Snack and on Sirius. Listen to her on Channel Thank 109. You. In the morning. Yes. And please come on my podcast if you ever have a spare second. We'd love to have you. We do. Yeah, let's do it. Wait, yeah, I actually am time. doing it. Wait, I'm doing Siri I'm doing your serious show on Thursday. You're doing serious this week, Thursday. Yeah, yeah. But then we can have more time together on the podcast. I would yes. love it. Both. Okay. We'll do Sounds- both. Yay. Both. Um, all right, guys. All right. We love you. We love you. Keep doing your best. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Oh, no. 